The Protect Your Neck Podcast. UFC 288 Breakdown with special guest co-host Clint McLean. It was just a couple of boys turning down the noise and breaking down some fights. But seriously, we had some fun, so strap in. My truth is the Ark of the Covenant buried in Ethiopia Watch what you fucking with a Minneapolis Somalian When I go home, the world I used to know is gone And I will live on my own For what shall it profit a rapper with creative control To sign a deal with the devil and lose his soul My stillborn first expression is cold Like the faces of slave masters on a pay-by-fold Subliminal racial supremacy choking me quick Like the bedtime stories of Joseph Smith Lynch mob gunning for me trying to murder my seeds So shorty put him in the Nile in a basket of reeds And now I stare into the future with a spiritual flashlight Wondering who the fuck was me in a past life Bad diet, fuck raw, die young, fast life Same as a crash flight that took off When the music died on your last night Tell them the truth and they call you a traitor Talk to them honestly and they call you a hater Losing my composure cause the message is urgent Talking reckless, drunk on the mic like Larry Merchant Hey, there we are. What's up my friends? Dan Tom here, the host of the Protect Your Neck podcast Analyst not journalists who you can find on MMAJunkie.com. You can also find bets on the Action Network. And um, speaking of the Action Network, I've got a, a co-host of mine who uh, also does some damage in this space. More more better damage than your boy's doing. We'll get to that. We're going to give him his due daps. But I need a co-host for these big shows. This one's long overdue. Not just because he's been kind enough to have me on his show multiple times. And uh, uh, me being rude boy over here still haven't even had him on. But no, um, he actually is a legit good dude uh, behind the scenes. Uh, he brings that positive energy as well. He is Clint McLean, of course, at Die Hard MMA. You can follow him on Twitter. And he'll plug the rest for you because because uh, uh, there, there's a decent amount that deserves some plugage, sir. What's up, Clint? What's going on, Dan? Happy to be here. Thank you very much for having me. You know, I always love chatting fights with you. So I'm ready. This is an awesome card. It's a big old pay-per-view i'm pumped up glad to be here let's get into it man it's gonna be fun dude it's gonna be real fun uh thanks everybody uh in the chat uh hopefully i won't have to do too much moderating today i honestly believe it or not like i always do i, I was joking with clint off scenes and i keep the same energy with you guys i honestly do try to stick to sports not that you know uh, anyone deserves to have that thrown at them their own shows they can do whatever they want clint can do whatever he wants uh, i can do whatever i want but yes for what it's worth we're going to be keeping the usual format and i'm going to be trying extra hard uh, just to be respectful of not just your time but my guest's time because uh he is someone i, I preach to the choir to um as far as knowing the ins and outs of this game um i i know i bitch and complain so maybe i don't make it look easy but maybe others you know uh, do whether they are prominent media figures or you know uh, MMA gamblers uh, like Clint, but as Clint can tell you, uh, this game uh, you know th- this game is not easy. I'm not playing a violin or anything like that, but uh, a lot of work goes into it. So uh, thank you, Clint, and I just want to be respectful to everybody's time today. Jimmy Jimmy Kudo in the chat, see what I mean? Hey, oh, we got a. Uh, uh, I don't know. Oh, oh yeah, about that stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Jimmy Kudo. I, I don't know. I haven't seen. Uh, I haven't seen that to be honest. So I can't. I can't tell you. Uh, Rio says on Tuesday. Oh, good to see you, Dan. Uh, feel bad about all the hate you're getting. Now you do good work in analysis. I appreciate you, real one, showing up today. Smash the like button. Uh, good thing the dislike stuff doesn't show. But either way, again, Clint uh, knows that dirty little secret. All engagement, uh, whether we like it or not, is good engagement. But you know, it'd be nice to you know uh, have the positive stuff flow to the surface. So positivity appreciated. Good to see you, sir. 
All right, uh, I will clean up the chat after we do the recap, but like I said, I want to get the show going. Um, this is a UFC 288 breakdown, but of course, I always recap the, the, the uh, show before. I know Clint does that on his Monday show over at Pub Sports Radio. Um, me and him are always accountable, both on our shows and keeping public records. So, an effort of keeping that same energy with a friend that does keep that same energy. And he had a good night, so Clint, uh, feel free, man. You are the when it actually comes to people putting out bets, and they actually do that, do the bets, and they put their balls on the table. Uh, you sir deserve the victory lap, so feel free. You you have uh, passed du jour, uh, but uh, and it also helped keep things positive because I don't think I had a great night. Let's see, we got four and seven overall picks for UFC Vegas seventy two, one and one in totals. Um, which made it, you know, not the worst loss of the evening, I guess. 0-1 straight, uh, 0-8 in the props, which were all round flyers. Uh, somebody brought up a negative record, and, 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 and it was something that, you know, I know Clint, Clint preaches. When you play big plus numbers, and you don't need to bet a lot, and when you play big plus numbers and you're actually accountable for your bets... Um, your record actually, even whether you're winning or losing, will always look worse if you look at like just the wins to losses ratio, um, which I know Absolutely. gets brought up all the time. You know that, Clint. And you preach to the choir there. So that means we went 0-1 in our long shot parlay. Of course, we only do the, one of those for fun, usually like 5 bucks or 7 bucks. But again, I account for all those. Um, off the top, it was uh, Song Yadong versus Ricky Simone. I, I picked Simone, but my biggest play of the night was on the under. Um and then I, I sprinkled Simone in those big round props in case it got there. Again, uh, even though I picked Simone, I was really respectful of the song side, which my man Clint was on, and I'll let I'll toss it over to him here in a second. Um, but I felt like, you know, the under is always, you know, mathematically, it's kind of hard to argue if you get a good number on it, Clint, because the coverage of under 4.5 rounds that you get, if you get it at a good price, it's easy to do the mental gymnastics to justify a bet, right? But this was a fight between two guys that were volatile finishers. A song much more volatile than I gave him credit for in the later rounds. That, that amongst other grappling and, and skill upgrades, were, were big takeaways for me from song. But Clint, um, you, you, dude, you put your balls on the table with a five-unit play. Uh, you even tweeted and tempted the MMA gods. I admit, I'm jealous. Like, I try to be like, you know, do uh, get all the angles, do the homework, try to cover my ass, be humble, hat in hand, and uh, I'll still get accused of being a, a shill misleading people, and I'll still eat shit on the bets. Uh, I wouldn't dare taunt the MMA gods, but you put your balls on the table, and you live to tell the tale. Uh, what was your thoughts on the fight, my friend? Man, with the MMA gods, they, they respect the fearlessness, so sometimes you just need to taunt them, and then, you know, they'll smite you every once in a while, but... When you get a chance to, you just got to throw up the double birds and, and tell them who's boss on some nights. And yeah, man, that's uh, Sonya Dong. I just I felt like the wrong guy was favored. You know, it was one of those spots where even on my show, when I broke it down, I was like, it's maybe thin value to say that the plus 25 dog should be the minus 135 favorite. Like it's not a wide gap. It's not like we're talking, you know, he should be minus 200, minus 250, something like that. I just thought he should have been the favorite in the fight and when I get a dog that should be the favorite not a dog that should be maybe a smaller dog like that that just kind of leads to me having more confidence in that side so went ahead and pulled the trigger and you know like you said put the balls on the table see what happens and I could not have asked for a better performance turns out he should have been more around the minus 200 mark I even underestimated him and I'm the one that said he should have been the favorite song looked absolutely incredible and brought it home for me man and I appreciate you teeing me up like that. I kind of dug my own grave last weekend. I I profited just under one unit last week. Even hitting my five-unit bomb best bet on Song Yadong, I still barely 
really profited about 0.9 units because the other fighter that I was super confident on was Charles Johnson. So I had a nice big fat bet on CJ last week and that went up in flames. So I actually needed Song to save the night at the end of the day. Thankfully he came through. It's a win. I'll take it. Doesn't matter if it's an inch or a mile. I'll take the win. Uh, but it definitely could have been a much better night for me if I had read the other fight better. Hey, you know what? That's that's the way it goes, though, right, Clint? I didn't bet that much, but I, I, my biggest bet of the night, thankfully, cash was on that card too. So we both cashed, but again, you know, like you you said, you didn't cash by much. And me and people said this to me, you know, perhaps it's that old shooting adage, Clint, that you can apply to betting: aim small, miss small. Because my record, I'm not trying to make excuses for it. It's actually quite terrible. Um, even if you want to do the unfair judgment by straight numbers. To the amount of bets, picks, or whatever, however you want to dice it, it's terrible. I've not, I've not hid from that. But as people have pointed out, you could argue that I should be down way more than just seven units for uh, literally. I literally, Clint, I can only we're in month five of the year. I can count my winning events this year for UFC on one hand, and I still might have a remaining finger. Okay, uh, only down seven units. Really, not that bad when you actually do that math. So aim small, miss small. I guess maybe I can take from that. Either way. The ironic part about the hate I'm getting is like, I actually hate on myself harder than any of these people can, so I'm still gonna hold myself to that standard. <laughs> but I appreciate you coming, coming to earth with that, Clint. And the way you worded it too is the wrong person favored. And obviously, you know, people to being well-meaning and friends of mine to people that are just trolling in my comments were saying like, oh, they, it was it was like, especially in hindsight, right? Oh, you should have seen Song coming and uh, the under wasn't the best bet, like just trying to rain on the little positive that I could that I could deviate. So I just want to clarify two things from before we move on from that was that uh, I'm never trying to say the best bet like booyah, shakalaka, bow to me. Uh, what I talk about, Clint, and I know you can understand this from a guy who respects this game, who's been in this game, there's always that play and it's not even the biggest plus number and it's not even like a crazy favorite number, right? A lot of times it's a smaller uh, favorite or a smaller underdog that in hindsight, you're like, that probably should have been a bigger number and or I should have hammered that number. We all have that. And that's all I'm simply talking about. And I think minus 135, back to that coverage you're getting for under 4.5 rounds for a fight that lest we forget, not just volatile from multiple finishing sides, multiple finishing standpoints, but you have the volatility shakeup of a week getting jolted around, turned to a five round fight with a guy like Song who did show slightly improved cardio in a weird fight with Corey Sanhagen. Aside from that, show to fade so for me minus 135 was an easy buy-in to hedge out for you know if you were either deep on a side so i wasn't trying to say that to shame other people or to uh unfairly prompt myself up i was just saying that those are the spots we talk about as betters that we aim that we aim to, to to find does that make sense clint that absolutely makes sense uh to me dan you know i've been around the block a couple of times been doing this now tracking publicly doing our show for four years i know exactly what you're talking about um, the thing that doesn't make sense to me, though, is why you're letting these people get to you the way that you are, my man. You don't need to explain every little tiny nook and cranny thought process. You pound your chest when you make a good call and you own up when you take an L. That's what the content game is all about. And you are wearing your L's on your sleeve right now. I'll tell you this. I I did that last year. I had the worst year possible, had a bunch of personal issues going on outside of the content creation that nobody knows about, and it really affected the way that I was gambling and betting, had the worst year imaginable, almost lost my entire bankroll, and I'm climbing my way back this year. 
You make changes, you make adjustments. You do better, you move forward. And at the end of the day, we're talking about the best damn sport on the planet and we're trying to put on a show for the people. And as long as there's people tuning in, enjoying your content, that's all that matters. So man, I, don't be so hard on yourself. And you definitely don't that. have to explain. You don't have to explain your thought processes on a best bet. If that was your best bet, does it mean hindsight it was the best bet on the card? No, that was the one that you felt had the best chance of cashing and that's what you know your listeners are here for so don't sweat it man it's all good you took your shot you did what you did and we'll get right going forward absolutely appreciate that from a real one a lot of real ones in the chat so let's keep the positivity going last thing i will say uh, just on that fight uh, and again somebody who picked uh, uh, the simone side and and i guess was on that side with just a couple small sprinkles for rounds um, when I was complaining about the headbutt, I think Song was going to win that fight regardless, and I think the focus should be on Song's positivity. I just want to say the only reason I was even tweeting about that was, uh, I know Clint just told me not to explain myself, but I just don't want to feel like I'm disrespecting any fighters either. Uh, was just I was just pointing out the irony that uh, I've seemed to be on the wrong end of all these headbutts and injuries so far, Clint. Dude. So I couldn't I couldn't help but point that out. I, but but no 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 spilt milk here. I, I, Song was going to win see. that anyways. That right there, though, that, that son of a bitch is called variance. And a lot of people pretend that it doesn't exist, but it's absolutely a factor. Because when stuff like that happens, you know, you've got blown MCLs, fighters that break their legs in half, checking kicks. Like, that yeah. stuff happens. And being on the wrong side of it, or being on the right side of it, you can't plan for that. And I actually uh, was a little surprised, because... Song still seems to me like he makes kitty mistakes sometimes. Mm -hmm. Like he's a super young guy. Yeah. He's full of piss and vinegar. Yeah. He's got a ceiling. We still don't even know what that ceiling is yet because he gets better every damn time we see him. That headbutt scared me to death. As a guy who's sitting back, counting my money already, I'm going, if you get disqualified for headbutting Ricky Simone, I'm going to break something. So he's got to patch that up. You can't be throwing fouls like that. And I argue you could have maybe even said that one was nearly intentional. The way he, like, jumped in and got in Song's face afterward, that yeah. was uh, – I'm sorry, uh, Simone's face afterward, that was not a good look. Yeah. It was terrifying yeah. as, a, as a song better. <laughs> oh, hold that note for when we get to uh, Henry Cejudo, but I, I completely hear you there, my friend, as far as the cheeky nodders, as Jack Slack says. Um, we'll push on through the rest of this card fast so we can get to the fun stuff and see some UFC 288 comments in the house. Uh, we'll be getting there, and so will you, some of you be in the house, like MMA Prodigy, who will be in the house this weekend. Awesome on you, MMA Prodigy. Hopefully you have uh, fun and a really good time with uh, whomever you go with. Um, let's see, we had Kyle Bahio defeated Mikhail Oleksajic. Uh I think that, well, did I cash the under there too? Maybe I was 2-0 in my totals. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's wrong. Either way, it was a losing night, but I think I cashed this under too because... Um, Wait, or wait, was it? Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure I cashed this under. Maybe, maybe not. Either way, Ohio got uh, defeated by sub. Anything to say about this fight, Clinton? It was always Kyle round two, man. It was looking back, and it's funny because what you said earlier, this is the spot that rings true to me. I was like, yeah. man, like, Oleg Sechuk is a son of a bitch in the first round. Like, he could catch anybody. Like, I talked myself off of the easiest bet on the card, which was Kyle's sub, because we've seen Oleg Zaychuk do this five times. He goes in guns blazing. He can't keep it up for 15 minutes if you make him wrestle. If you're willing to stand and bang with him, then he can strike 15 minutes all day. As soon as you start level changing him, his gas tank is just not built for the grappling. We knew Kyle was eventually going to get him to the ground. I called the Kyle sub. 
Did I bet it at plus money? No, I did not. Like, that was the one that it should have been just ship it. Kyle's going to find a way to get it to the ground eventually. I'm really pissed off I missed an easy money spot there last week. <laughs> I hear you, I hear you, Clint. And just a second on this, I literally put uh, one unit, which I, I put, you know, 100 bucks a unit uh, in as my first bet. And I'm like, slow down, Dan. Like, you were literally just coming across the finish line of your tape study part. You know, you didn't even look into the socials yet. Um, let, let's relax here. But it just jumped out to your point. And it, let's be honest, plus 120, at least what I was getting, wasn't the sexiest line, even for a guy who is used to not getting sexy lines. But tell me if you think this, Clint, like, you know, even like I think, you know, maybe not the, the best example, but like they were only giving plus 280 for Yanez by KO against Font, a guy who's never been KO'd and been through hell and back. I, I really, and exactly. I, I can't even blame the CLV betters on a lot of this stuff, Clint. They're just really desexifying a lot of these props, for lack of a better term. I think they're getting killed on a lot of these props. There's more and more of us gambling on this stuff. And honestly, we're getting smarter about it as a community, as a whole. So I think they're shortening those numbers up because we're hitting those longer odds. You're not seeing 18 to 1 submission props quite as often anymore. And yeah, man, that's the kind of spot where... So the problem is, like, the Yanez is the exact perfect example for it, man. If it looks too easy, sometimes... It's too wrong to put your money on. It looks too easy because it's a trap. And that's kind of, I think, why I didn't bet the Kaiowa subline is I was like, hmm. Right, totally. <laughs> but, you, you know, picking out those landmines from the ones that are actually easy is the tough part sometimes. <laughs> Absolutely. I got to not stay away from the sticking with your balls mantra. But sometimes, to your point, you do get burned. So you got to be careful not to let that give you too much PTSD. We'll talk, we'll push on with the card, and we'll definitely talk more about that dynamic that you spoke about, Clint, which is a good one to key in on. One I love to key in on, which you have a slow starter versus a fast starter, you know? Which side are you going to take, right? I tend to side on the more, uh, usually it's the more process-based guy is the more slow starter more often than not. And that's where my, you know, we have to call out our, our own biases and our own trends, and that's certainly where mine head. I've been doing very poorly on that, which I'm sure will, will come up, but, but very apropos point you made. All right, Rodolfo Vieira defeated Cody Brundage. I have Brundage as a dog pick, um, and then I had him in round two and round three, and we were looking good. But uh, I must have looked away from the screen at a terrible fight IQ moment, but a, a, a moment apparently uh, Brundage pulled a guillotine, and that was uh, all she wrote. Uh, was that what you got? What did you think of this, Clint? Man, I so I got to be super careful here because Cody follows me on socials. I like Cody. I like him sure. a lot. He's a cool dude. He's big for the weight class. He's got all the pieces. He just hasn't quite put them together yet. He feels like one of those kids that got to the UFC just a touch too early for me, Dan. Yeah. I feel like he needed just a little bit more seasoning on the regional shows before he got to the big game. And because of that, he's learning on the job. And he's facing the black belt hunter, not just BJJ black belts, but a guy who is literally known for submitting the best jujitsu practitioners in the world. Yeah, that's the guy he's trying to get straight against here in the UFC. So tall order for him to really show out and succeed the way he can, but he flashes these moments of brilliance. He all, Chris Curtis hit Rodolfo Vieira with everything he had, and that man said that he had to dig deep to stay in that fight. And that yeah. means mountains to me because Chris Curtis knocks everybody who stands in front of him out. And if you stand in front of him, unless you're elusive, you don't survive that exchange. Cody had him 
across the cage with two punches. Like, it was this close to being over, and he just ran out of gas a little bit. I think the one thing that's really struggling for Cody right now is the mental aspect of the game, if I'm being honest. And this is where, like I said, I'm trying to be as respectful as I can when I say this. Absolutely. I'm sitting in an analyst chair right now. I'm not in a cage. The one time I took a liver kick, I fell over and I didn't get up for 15 minutes. So, like, I'm not saying I'm tougher than this man. But it seems like he questions himself. He doubts himself. And when he got between rounds, man, I was literally, like, I'm watching the fights on my phone. I had to run to CVS for something for my wife. I couldn't access my betting quick enough. I saw the fear in his eyes. He had not enough left in round two. And that's where he made a bad mistake. He jumped guillotine on a world champion jujitsu fighter because he needed a Hail Mary to win at that point. He knew he didn't have another 10 minutes in him. And we've seen him kind of do that a couple times already that I really think he's going to turn a corner. I really think Brundage at some point is going to put it all together. And when he does, he's going to be good. I just really hope the UFC gives him one or two fights that are actually favored for him so he can get back on track, gain a little confidence, and then I think we might actually have a half-decent fighter in Cody Brundage moving forward. Just get him get him one or two wins to get on track, and then I think he'll be okay. Well, I think my uh, – and, yeah, I, I totally uh, hear you, and, and no disrespect to him here. Even losing a bet, just like I you know, keep the same energy with my guys, you know, Billy Q or GM3, I, I don't care if a, a bet loses. I'm, I'm still a fan of these guys. And uh, yeah. I may not you know, be as big a fan of Cody as I am of, like, a GM3 or Billy Q, for example – uh, but yeah, man, you know, he seems like a fun cat and he's, and I think people forget that he is young to your point about getting here Very a bit young, early. Yeah. And I think we we're, you know, uh, kind of leaving the door closed, uh, with, with his potential improvements at a, you know, two to one or even close to over two to one, uh, line at some time. So hopefully you could take the positives from that. And even when Clint talks about the mental stuff, again, he, it's not meant in a disrespectful way. And for anybody, and I know Clint's grappled as well, like, dude, there's so many times, whether you're tired or whatever the reason is you think about quitting giving up giving up not even quitting or giving up but maybe just giving a position giving a rest and then that leads you to your demise like these are just real things kind of like chael uh, you know uh, the risk of quoting some chael sun in here but like back at tough 10 or whatever the last or, or the uriah hall season he's like you know losing is always an option that's what the, the the top guys and the tough guys don't tell you it's always an option for all of us um so it's it's Dan, no disrespect I, here oh you all the time I, please I usually usually me go please talk <laughs> So, man, um, you were talking about, you know, getting tired back in my jiu-jitsu days. Um, I went to Vegas to compete in a Naga, which those of you who don't grapple, uh, a jiu-jitsu competition. And uh, I surprised my coach and my team and everybody. I was supposed to not be able to go to this tournament that weekend. So everybody in practice is training doubly hard. We're doing extra sprints. We're getting the cardio up. And... I'm kind of lollygagging. I'm kind of slacking because you know what? I'm not going to make the tournament. I don't need to be in competition shape because I'm not actually competing, right? Well, something happened. Plans fell sideways. And I look over at my now wife, then girlfriend, and I'm like, you want to go to Vegas? Like, So we jump in the car. We drive to Vegas. I last second get my name in for this jiu-jitsu tournament. And there's, uh, it's going to end up being like a three-staggered tournament. There were enough people in there that I had to go through three rounds to go ahead and get it done. Round one, easy victory. Take the guy down. Arm triangle, no problem. We're good. Round two, this tough son of a bitch put up a fight. And I ended up winning on points by just having top position at the last second of this match. Dan, I am 
gassed. I am out of energy. I've got nothing left to offer. They had to pick me up off the mats. And, like, the next match is about to start. So I had to, like, roll off to the side so I could lay there heaving, trying to catch my air. And, again, my, my now wife, then girlfriend, walks over and is like, are you okay? And, of course, I'm just, like, all game plan up here. I'm going, I got to watch my opponent. I got to go see him grapple. I don't know who he is. This guy steps over me walking by and he goes, yeah, that's me. And <laughs> so, like, game face totally gone i'm out of gas i'm trying to go like i'm trying to get my shit together so my opponent doesn't see me like this and then i want to go watch him grapple so i can take a couple notes and see what he can do he literally walks over me so he knows i'm completely done at this point yeah i got second dan i lost the next match i wasn't able to get that one done so sorry just a little uh, grappling uh, tangent there for you guys from my competition days yeah, I was going to say, the pictures you shared, I know it was a Naga, but it looked like a Vegas Naga, so that actually makes sense yep. uh, as far as that goes. That's awesome, man. Yeah, that's a, at least you had a, yeah, at least you had a good excuse for coming in second, whereas me, I just had an awesome finishing everybody to the finals in my last Naga I did, and then I just fell into an inverted triangle despite triangle defense usually being my thing. It was the stupidest thing. It was like right away, like like typical like guy shoots in and immediately gets guillotined, like kind of... Uh... <laughs> Kind of anti-climact, and so there's no excuse for that shit. Uh, Fernando Padilla uh, defeated Julian Orosa, Cameron from Ferris Bueller's Day Off, as I like to say. Of course, Little Bias, Juicy J from Extreme Couture. Picked him, didn't play him, um, but this is something that we've seen uh, happen to Juicy J in the first round. Did you have any thoughts uh, going in or coming out of this one, Clint? Yeah, yeah, I had a bet on uh, Padilla, man. I really, I liked him coming into this spot. Juicy J is uh, the kind of guy that, man, if I can fade his chin, I'm going to, especially at a favorite price tag. You know what I mean? You get somebody that's got crisp, clean striking, and geez, Padilla's striking was clean on Saturday. He didn't miss a single punch. It looked like every single thing he swung out there landed and hurt his opponent. That's what I'm looking for if I'm going to get on the other side of Juicy J. Big fan of his. Always puts on exciting fights. You know, maybe a little bit of an early stoppage. I know there was a big thing on Twitter. A lot of people were real upset that it was stopped so quickly. But, man, the way he fell didn't look good. The way his head snapped back didn't look good. His balance was gone for a couple of seconds there. Like, I really think the official saved a couple years off his life with that stoppage. Like, that's what an official is for. Or Juicy J could have hung around in that fight. I think he would have gotten dropped another time or two and TKO'd in about 30 seconds. So I was okay with the stoppage. One of those ones were like maybe just a little bit too quick. But at the end of the day, I still think that was the final result we were going to get. Yeah, that's tough. I got a lot of crap for not, not even so much defending the ref uh, as in just defending referees in general when it comes to triggering movement. Sometimes they're already triggered to go in and the guy's already recovering. And you can almost see the regret in the ref's face, but the guy looked like he was dead for a split second. And when you drop limp and look like you're dead, that, that triggers the action and you've already started. So it's, you know, whether we agree with it or not, you know, uh, I just try to be understanding as I can. And the sympathies, of course, are with the fighter and their finances and health. But we also got to look out for that health, right? So, um, uh, last thing on that, it just gave me it gave me flashbacks to Manuel Torres versus Frank Camacho before the fight, and I think we saw that again. Those young guys, we we don't see them for a while. Be careful. Um, we got Marco, especially Mar when they're young like that. 
Yeah, absolutely. Marcos Rogerio de Lima, a.k.a. Flow Rida, defeated uh, Waldo Cortez Acosta by unanimous decision, as I predicted, but I am so obsessed with trying to uh, auto-fade him by sub, and I, the matchups have not been sexy for it lately, and I couldn't trust uh, de Lima as chalk, so I stayed away despite picking it right. Did you have any feels on this one, Clint? Man, I was kind of the same as you. Uh, my game plan going in was I know... Waldo's uh, either going to die in round one or he's going to have the better cardio for the rest of the fight. So I live bet Waldo Cortez at plus 300 after the first round. A lot of people were freaking out saying it was, you know, an awful bet, this, that, and the other. And I'm, man, we've seen this story just time and time again. Marcos de Lima starts really hard and he cannot keep that pace up for 15 minutes. He did enough damage in round one. He slowed down the legs of Waldo Cortez. Cortez only got one of the next two rounds, so unfortunately losing bets. Uh, but honestly, man, that strategy, I would employ that almost every time if they ran it back with these two guys because Cortez obviously had the better gas tank and had more to offer the deeper that fight went. Marcos Rogerio's finishing ability seems to be limited to round one, in my opinion. So, you know, uh, I, I stand by the game plan. Didn't pan out this time. Got a big, fat, juicy plus number. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens going forward. <laughs> All right. Was wrong about this one. Trey Waters defeated Josh Quinlan by unanimous position. I thought the Hawaiian Legends of the Fall there was going to get the knockout early. I guess glad I left it out of my round robin, but it didn't matter ultimately. Uh, Waters gets the win. Any thoughts on this one, Clint? Yeah, that one was uh, a little bit surprising to me. Waters, I feel like I'm not quite sure what we've gotten Waters yet, if I'm being completely honest, Dan. Um, I don't like his game plan. Uh, he's too low volume. He's like a big, lanky version of Sam Alvey. Like, he's so mm. reliant on catching big power shots, big moments of the fight, or clean knocking you out. But if he doesn't get those, the fight ends up being really close. Now, Quinlan, I really thought he was going to have more success grappling. I thought he'd be able to get the takedowns. I thought he'd be able to get this man to the ground. So without that element of the fight, Trey Waters' hindsight looked like he should have been a huge favorite. I, I was impressed with this particular performance. I'm not sold on the kid as a whole. I'll be curious to see what he does moving forward. And Quinlan, I always had questions about whether or not Quinlan was legit. Coming off the PED suspension, not being able to hit takedowns, we might have a busted Dana White's Contender Series prospect here on our hands with Quinlan. I'm not sure yet about him either because this was like his first legitimate opponent. So we'll see. There's lots of questions about both these guys in my opinion. Yeah, we'll see moving forward. Uh, Martin Hebate uh, defeated Jake Collier. I stayed uh, the hell away from this one, but of course, a heavyweight fight leads to the decision. I mean, thankfully, they're not doing this on, on this weekend's card, leading in and starting the main card with heavyweights, but that's what they did. They, uh, Oh, no, they didn't actually, sorry. But, but, but yeah, they, they led into the main card, at least here with a heavyweight fight. Anything to say on this, Clint? It's not a UFC fight unless we get a sloppy low-level heavyweight fight, Dan. I'm frankly, uh, I'm disgusted that there isn't one on UFC 288. No, <laughs> I don't know. You know, the funniest thing about this fight to me, so I did predict Boudet just because we've got a 185er fighting a heavyweight, essentially. Sure. So I did pick Boudet, didn't, you know, bet him. I don't know how. I don't know if you play DraftKings at all, Dan, but Boudet scored 88 points for fantasy in MMA in this fight. And I'm just looking back, I'm going, how? Like, he had his back to the fence the entire fight. Like, what? How did he score 88 points? He didn't get a takedown. I think he got one knockdown. But, like, he's just, like, backpedaling and throwing knees and somehow scores really well for DK and gets That's a unanimous crazy. decision. Head scratching, it was... 
It was a close fight. I think Collier's out of his element against real heavyweights, in my opinion, always has been. Uh, he's going to be a fun guy to throw in there and be a measuring stick for some of these lower-level heavyweights. But, yeah, no real opinion. I picked the right guy, thankfully. It was not a fun fight. Uh, I really thought if Boudet was legit, he'd finish Collier. So now I've got my questions about Boudet moving forward as well. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. David David Harbour from uh, Stranger Things when he's doing the Russian prison stint between him and Azamat there. But we got Cody Durden defeated Charles Johnson. Uh, of course, uh, you know, I lost a bet here. My Charles Johnson streak. Can, uh, you know what, Clint? I'm going to take credit for this one as well as whatever we're on together going forward. That that mushes. Uh, again, shoot your shoot your hate and complaints here. Not my man's way, by the way. Fire all, all, all that heat here. Um, my record on Charles Johnson continues to be terrible. It was nice to see them, uh, you know, have a, have like a positive moment after. It's nice to see, you know, positivity in this sport a bit. Uh, so, like, no sore losers, which is great. But, yeah, I, I went with uh, Charles Johnson by sub. Something something, something spoke to me on that. And, and the Charles Johnson round three, which I I believe we, we might have both been on. It was clip, also but, on. Okay, but, yeah, any thoughts on this one going in and out of it? Man, you don't need to dive in front of a bullet like that. I think I've been, like, single-handedly pounding the drum for Charles Johnson. I thought that he, you know, circumstances led to him looking a little less than stellar in his last couple fights since mm -hmm. he's come to the UFC. I guess I've expected Charles Johnson's skill level to be here when reality it's here. Like, I thought his gas tank was more of a weapon than it really is. I thought his finishing ability is more than it really is. I thought his get-up game was better than apparently it really is. And then also, unan not unanimously, sorry, I'm thinking in <laughs> decision terms here. Um, at the same time, I've underestimated Cody Durden. I don't think much of him, frankly, and I also understand that he gasses out because he goes so hard wrestling. But he showed off some serious heart in this fight. He mm -hmm. was obviously, like, completely dead yeah. in that third round. And he oh, still damn. managed to hang on and, and do just enough to let his opponent get off no offense. Now, I do think somebody else is going to take advantage of that sooner than later. So I don't hate the round three shot against Cody Durden. I'll look for somebody with a little bit better cardio, maybe a little physically stronger who can make that work. But I was very impressed with his new form of wrestling. You know, the Aljamain Sterling style wrestle into back take you know, blend the wrestling with the jujitsu. That was a new wrinkle. I didn't expect that from him. So frankly, he really impressed me in this fight. I'm looking forward to seeing what happens with Cody Durden next. And uh, man, I got I got attacked by the man for picking against him uh, online. So he, he saw wow. some of my tweets and was uh, talking about how I was straight up hater. And I'm like, no, 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 just a gambler that, that picked the wrong side, buddy. That's all. No hate here. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. If any, I I know you have a good spirit about it too, and I always say if anyone has a right to uh, come at us, like by all means, fire away, fighters. Whether we bet against you or not, we we are rooting for you, believe it or not. So always good to take that in class. Uh, Aran, uh, Aran Alex Sleva defeated Stephanie Edgar, and I I ended up throwing Edgar by sub in my round robin last minute because I couldn't help. But uh, trying to generate my own Clint Juju because I had already had three leg submission. I'm like, why not go all submission? This is what Stephanie Edgar does, and I've been so wrong on her, Clint. I was like, there's no way Rose Clark's gonna get submitted or submitted again, right? And then I go against her, and I don't think Edgar's that great. And then Edgar proves me wrong, and then I'm like, all right, Edgar, <laughs> I'm behind you in the next fight. And then she, you know, and maybe she's. It, it, Maybe I was right the whole time, and like I was tweeting to somebody where they were, you know, obviously the Russian rounder Rousey, her weight miss, oh. her punches on the scales, her Mac uh, 
uh, Billy Strut. She did every cringe fucking what's up? Well, that was uh, that's a really old reference, but just any played out pop culture thing she was doing. And she had fraud I, written all yes. over her. <laughs> but for that reason, I stopped. And this is maybe you know again. This I'm trying to parlay the negative into a joke here. But I was like, uh, you know what? There's no reason for her to win this fight. But I'm like. I picked and am on, at least in the round robin, not a lot of exposure, but I'm on the other side. And I'm like, for that reason, this is exactly the kind of spot I would lose <laughs> just to smite me. And sure enough, I was, it was one of those where you, you, you lose the, you lose the bet, but you're, you're, you're literally laughing about it because it's so damn funny. Yep. This was me. I don't know. I don't know how you felt here. Yeah, man. Um, I have said for a very long time, I think the most recency bias in MMA gambling is on women's MMA. Like, sure. Guilty. They are actually closer in skill than we give them credit for. So you'll get these minus 300 favorites in women's MMA when really they should be like minus 170, you know, but everybody is piling on the same side and it drives the line. And the fact is they're not as well-rounded as the majority of the men are at this point. We have to remember women's MMA is still catching up to men's MMA at this point. And because of that, we get these huge swings. And everybody and their mother wanted to jump off the Egger ship, you know, after her last couple fights. She lost as a giant favorite. She won a split decision as a giant favorite. No one's laying chalk on her this week. I'm like, bro, this fraud is going to get her arm snapped off because Egger is legitimately going to be the big favorite here this week. I didn't really account for the fact that being big and mean and strong apparently is enough to win in, in women's MMA. And I, it really is sometimes, just that physicality. And I've actually used that argument when betting on like Holly Holm, for example. So the fact that I just completely missed it in this spot kind of makes me a little sick to my stomach. I bet Egger inside the distance at plus 125. The under two and a half was like plus 120. Horrific. For me to get a five cent bump and only have one fighter included in that, I wanted violence. I could have got my violence. I just needed to include the other girl in it. And I put blinders on and went, nope, this is Edgar all day, baby. And that was my bad. So we'll see, man. I still don't believe in the Russian Ronda. I, I don't think she's all that. I do think that she will beast her way through some of these lower level women. I'm not really expecting that she's going to be something moving forward. Now, I've said that before, and sometimes, you know, young fighters, they make improvements. Maybe she moves stateside and starts going to an ATT or, or something like that. You never know. We can't count out potential improvements, but I, I don't know that she's really all that good. She seems like a fun, exciting fighter who's big and strong, and that'll be enough sometimes, and other times it won't be. She's going to be a landmine, man. We're going to have to be careful with her. Yeah, I tweeted. I hope she gets at least from the odds makers the uh, Agapova treatment, you know, and we can uh, we can yeah. make some back. But uh, we got uh, Marcus McGee defeated Journey Newsom. I didn't do a lot. I didn't have any expectation in this one or Jamie Lee Horth uh, over Haley Cowan. I stayed away. Do you have any thoughts on these last two fights, Clint? Yeah. So I think Cowan's a fraud. Um, I wanted to bet Jamie Lynn Horth, and I just waited. I got plus three hundred on her live in the third round, Dan. Like. I was waiting very patiently to get a plus number. And I'm like, this is one and one going into three. And I know she's got the better gas tank. She's starting to take over this round as we're seeing it. Maybe I'll get plus 150 on Horth, plus 300. I'm like, sign me up. <laughs> I jumped all over that and abused it. So that felt good. Marcus McGee, I really wanted to bet him all week last week. I didn't do enough research to actually, and you know, 
I know I'm not the best better in the world. I've never claimed to be, but there are people out there that tail my picks. So I do try to do, if I'm wrong, I've done the research and I'm just wrong. You know what I mean? I'm not going to throw a blind dart out there knowing people will tail me, not having any idea what I'm doing. And that's why I didn't bet McGee is because I didn't get around to actually taping him last week. But Journey Newsom, in my opinion, is a fade. I was going to bet on my guy, Brian Boom Kelleher, last week before he got pulled. I figured this guy from the MMA lab, who's seven, you know, six and one at the time, great gym, looks like he's got good cardio, decent credentials, sign me up. But I wasn't about to throw that blind dart. Uh, didn't see him getting it done by submission in the second, though. I'll tell you that. Marcus McGee really impressed me on short notice. I'm looking forward to what he does next. Absolutely. I love that little nugget there, Clint. It makes me feel better and uh, makes me feel like we're, we're not crazy there. We're uh, actually trying to be responsible, not just putting our money where our mouth is, but also being responsible knowing that free content or not, uh, accountable content or not, people will follow guys like you and me, uh, especially like if you're on a hot streak like you are, right? So to kind yep. of have that in the back of your mind, you shouldn't torture yourself about it like I kind of tended to do, which is kind of my thing. I almost put too much pressure on myself. But it's something that I try to hold myself accountable. So to see people that I respect that are doing well like yourself to do that, uh, that made me feel better. So thank you, Clint. Dan, right. it's, an, it's an incredible balancing act. People do not understand how hard it is to be both accountable and trustworthy, to both trust yourself and not overextend. We're humans, man. And that's why I always tell people, I'm a degenerate gambler. If you tail me, you better grab your loincloth because we're swinging like Tarzan. Like, I bet stuff that professional betters probably don't. You know why? Because I'm having fun. Like that's, it's what I do. It's always been how I address it. But again, I understand people are tailing me. So I strive to do my best. I strive to do my homework and I always try to put out winning bets. It's not like I'm putting out, you know, losing picks on purpose, but that's where, like you said, man, if I do the homework and I really think I'm doing the right thing and I miss, it happens. Shit happens, you know? It, but it, if you do your homework and you pick the right side, you can put money in people's pockets. That's I'm all about it, man. That's what we're here for. Uh, definitely more of that going forward, hopefully. Absolutely. All right, 40 minutes in. We're going to be pushing on. Uh, before I get to um, – I don't even want to call it a sponsor shout, really, because it's more just a, a, a friend thing and a, and a great relationship, which we'll get to in a second – but uh, I wanted to shout out some of the people in the chat. Clint, uh, you got a question from the chat from one of my, uh, from one of my, one of my main men over here, Jimmy Kudo. He says, "Does Clint ever get mad at fighters he bets who make game plan changes that lead to the fighter uh, he bets against winning?" So I, I, I'm guessing like out of character changes. We've definitely have all been there. But he's asking you. Absolutely. So Jimmy, I'll be honest with you, man. I've said it before. I'm human. If I bet on a Devin Clark expecting him to go out and wrestle because he's got 20 professional fights where he goes out and wrestles and then he throws a flying knee and gets knocked out, I'm going to be frustrated. I'm going to be pissed. But the one thing that I always try to like tell people and teach people and pound into people is these guys are out there fighting. They're doing what they think is best in the moment in a very real combat situation where your livelihood, your brain cells, your future are on the line. I'm not going to be mad at them. I'm not going to lash out at them. I'm not going to call people out on Twitter or anything like that. I may critique them on a podcast like this where it's never intended to reach them. And I definitely am angry inside that I lost money when they did something that I wasn't expecting. But at the end of the day, we are gambling and that's part of the game. So like you have to kind of be able to woosaw through those things because if you've done your homework, you're going to know 
partially what the game plan is. And when that happens, you can be confident making a bet. And if you get one of those weird outlier situations, we talked about variants a little bit ago, shit happens, man, especially in fights. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely it does. Well, well, well said. I want to shout out my guy, D Love. Uh, D Loves underscore turmeric underscore tonic uh, on Twitter, uh, Instagram, and theturmerictonic.com. I actually just re-upped my own supply. I was going to have it on for the podcast, but I was uh, I was scrambling because I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a real responsible podcaster here. But go to theturmerictonic.com. Use code PROTECT15 to save 15% off a really nice mix of ginger, turmeric, and lemon. Really good for anti-inflammatory. Uh, really coming in handy, especially right now. I'm getting back into grappling. I've uh, been working uh, the, the bags hard, trying to break those in and, and, and doing the old uh, tong po tie kicks outside to the liver and to the legs as I do. Um, and man, the, the, tun- the turmeric tonic, uh, it works wonders. Uh, I'm getting older, Clint. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to speak for yourself, but maybe you, you feel it. the aches too. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> you know, we got to look out for ourselves, buddy. And, uh, and, and that stuff's great. So I just want to shout out a, a good dude in the community. Uh, again, the tonic.com protect 15 for 15% off. And of course, mixedmarshallanalyst.com, my website, the website that supports this year program, which is free. Uh, just like you could find my guy Clint's program. Again, we, we, we kind of swing by the same code, different styles, different people. It doesn't matter. We're still friends. Uh, it's all good, but we are the same in the sense of, you know, we, we definitely put our stuff out there weekly for free. So if you still want to support a show, well, how do I support a show that's free, Dan? You're too dumb of a businessman to have a Patreon. That is true, but I do have a PayPal link at MixedMarshallAnalyst.com and click-through links if you shop at Onnit or Amazon. You just go to MixedMarshallAnalyst.com, click the link, do your shopping, and a small percentage of uh, whatever you purchase will be kicked back to this year program, which is greatly appreciated and felt. Uh, not going to go and do a read-through, although the Amazon part does let me know what you guys bought. doesn't let me know who you are. So if you want to buy any suspicious uh, items, anything uh, that vibrates, whatever you want to do, there's no judgment-free zone. Go buy, but just click the link. Does it come link. with the Protect Your Neck logo on it? Uh, no, I don't know. I don't know if you can find anything, any of those products on there. I'm still working on getting shirts. Forget any, uh, forget any adult theme products out there. Uh, but yeah, if you want to buy any Valentine's Day is coming products, up, baby. Yeah, I'm going to give right. my wife a protect your neck vibrator. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Oh my God. Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah, we're going to, we're going to work on those folks. We're going to, that's, don't give me ideas. I was, I was thinking more coffee mugs, but there's, there's something there too. So thank you guys. Uh, we're gonna push on 45 minutes in. I think I can remember that UFC 288. Aljamain Sterling defending his championship against the former champion who never lost his belt technically, Henry Cejudo, former double champ flyweight bantamweight, uh, ending his first retirement. I don't know a lot of MMA retirements out there, of course. Um, this fight is happening, Clint. Of course, we got Henry Cejudo who opened as the underdog, but public money has come in. He is now settled probably as a slight favorite, depending on where you're looking. I'll go bet MGM minus 150. I mean, not, I'll go smet, smen, gmen. No one's paying me. Smet, shmem, shmem. Um, minus 115. Aljamain, or Henry Cejudo, minus 105, of course. Uh, Aljamain Sterling. Um, I don't think my main event breakdown is out yet, so maybe you guys don't know where I stand on this one. 
But uh, Clint, you're the guest of honor, sir. I want to give you the first uh, crack at the pinata here. Uh, I, maybe bad analogy, but you know what I mean. I'm sure Henry's actually said worse, whatever I say. Let's be honest. What's your thoughts Absolutely. on this fight, Clint? <laughs> No, I appreciate it, man. So, yeah, I, I do actually have a bet here on this main event spot, and I'm rocking with Triple C. I, I actually am deep in the Henry Cejudo corner here. He was my absolute favorite UFC fighter for several years there for a, for a good run. I stopped calling him my favorite fighter because he retired. Now he's back. I might need to kind of pick up the, uh, the moniker again. Um, we'll see what happens, though, because I don't want to upset my guy Brandon Moreno. Um <laughs> so I have loved Henry Cejudo for a long reason, but I really helped get a jump start in my content creation four years ago from Mr. Henry Cejudo himself, Dan. Because wow. when people started taking note or notice of me, uh, it was because I was actually watching a show, similarly to like several people in the chat right now are doing here with us. I was supporting a gambling show, and they didn't have anybody that ever talked about UFC. So I started giving my picks out on this show weekly just as a member of the crew, just as a member of the chat, and I started doing well enough that they took notice. Part of that was because I bet Henry Cejudo week in and week out. I cashed on him as a plus 300 dog against the GOAT. I cashed on him as a plus 170 dog against TJ. I had him in a parlay against Dom. I had him inside the distance against Marlon Marias at plus 320. Dan, I've made so much money just backing on and believing in Henry Cejudo. There's questions coming into this fight. I'm ride or die with my boy. And I know that's not necessarily the most technical breakdown in the world, but sometimes that's the way you got to play it. If someone's been good to you, if they've made you money, you stick with them unless you've got a damn good reason to go against them. Frankly, Aljamain Sterling, he's too big for the weight class. He has been for a long time. He's talked about retiring. He's talked about moving up a division. He's talked about getting out of the way of Marab. Like, in my opinion, this man is this close to saying the R word, Dan. It just feels like the end of Aljamain Sterling's career is right around the corner. And whereas Henry Cejudo is pulling the John Jones on us, he's hungry. He wants to be the best. He wants to be a legend, and he wants to solidify that legacy. Those are different motivations, in my opinion. And I think Henry's is strong. Frankly, I'm also thinking we stopped doubting Henry Cejudo. Like, every time he's said I'm going to do something, he's done it. He's got a gold medal for wrestling, something that not many human beings on the planet have. He's a very special... 1% of the 1% breed of athlete. And on top of that, he's got the best mind in MMA. You've got champions who are going to fight ready, who are learning from Henry Cejudo how to get better when they already have gold wrapped around their waist, Dan. Like, this guy is the complete package in my opinion. I wish he weren't coming off of a three-year layoff. But I think he's got everything he needs to beat Aljamain Sterling. He's a better striker. He's more explosive. He's the better wrestler. The only difference is he's a little bit older and he's a little bit undersized. I actually think the skill difference is enough that he can overcome those other two issues. And I went back and you rewatch, even like the Dominic Cruz fight, Dan. When he hurt Dom, his right hand that he followed up with was so fast. Like the speed that Henry Cejudo can explode and move at is terrifying. I think he's a better version of Piotr Jan at this point, 
and he knows how to escape somebody who's got high-level jujitsu like Aljamain Sterling. So I think the grapple them and take their back game plan is out the window. I tried to fail to fade at Aljamain Sterling with TJ Dillashaw, and I don't have a time machine, Dan, but if I did, I would punch the numbers in and obviously would never make the bet and never go as hard if I knew he had those shoulder problems. To this day, I think if TJ didn't have those shoulder issues, he wipes the floor with Aljamain Sterling. I think the same is true with Henry Cejudo. I think he's going to beat Aljo, and he called his shot doing it in under three. Haven't bet it yet, but I think I'm going to bet him inside the distance, Dan. I believe him. I absolutely believe Cejudo, and I have no reason to question him, and he's made me piles of money. So I'm going to bet on him again on Saturday. I, I think that's excellent, and I don't disagree with pretty much anything you said, despite me being, coming coming from the opposite end, not necessarily being, we'll get there, coming from the opposite end where I've always, I don't want to say doubted, but yeah, I've picked against him, you know, in spots, even spots I didn't think I was going to pick against him, I'm like, oh man, I got to pick, I got to pick against my guy Dom Cruz, and then I don't know what I saw, what kind of rabbit hole, uh, my tinfoil hat came out, Clint, um, I ended up making, albeit not a confident pick, obviously, I was I was somewhat tethered to earth, I realized what, what I was doing, but yes, uh, I went against him, uh, I've underrated things like great points you brought up, like speed, um, and so forth, I'm getting those vibes for whatever those are worth, you know, I talk about those, I know, everyone's like, oh, it doesn't matter what fighter interviews, all matters happen inside the cage, believe me, I'm, I'm, I'm like Mr. Stylistic Guy over here, that I base, you know, primarily my plays, my analysis off of in-cage analysis and evidence, you know, um, which doesn't do great for me, by the way, uh, for what it's worth. But yes, like I, I completely get that. But th- there are those other intangibles out there, and I don't um, kind of like how they bowed. You mentioned the weight thing too. A lot of bantamweights, Aljo size, I know for a fact, struggle to make the weight. Um, and you know, uh, somebody mentioned here about variance. Um, Jimmy Kudo says Henry Cejudo is this one of the variance things you were talking about? Henry's team makes amazing game plans. Uh, in his last three fights before he retired. Um, we could see variance in that, of course, but I think there's more variance in Aljamain's performances with his weight cuts because they are so hard. He himself will talk about injury sometimes. We'll talk about the rehydration, the weight cut itself. Um, a lot of these, are even the injuries, are arguably all weight cut related for back to what Clinton said, kind of signs you're a bit too big for the division. And perhaps he knows this because... He is looking to go up, hopefully with a belt, to get some money fights and uh, kind of ride out his career that way. And I'm rooting for Aljo uh, in that regard. I'm rooting for him as a person to to get all the money he can. But uh, I somewhat surprisingly ended up picking Cejudo here. Now, I'm not really confident on a bet because like Clint said, you know, I'm thinking this fight goes to the decision either way. I'm looking at do I want to eat the chalk on overs? Do I want to, you know, even be riskier? Uh, with chalk and go fight goes the decision not really sexy not really attractive even less attractive when hudo Suhudo is talking about him not getting past three and his whole team which i know they're very much in sync with their promotion and they're very much embrace the air quotes promotion part but yes they are hinting towards submissions not even just hinting toward a finish citing rounds citing methods that gets me a little scared on kind of how to bet this clint you still have a more than playable price tag for either party should you like Aljo or should you like Cejudo but again this is just one of those fights where it's a volatile fight and unlike the you know the the, the 135 fight last week that my man Clint, Clint cashed on 
you know, he said it wasn't a big plus number, sure, but at least you were getting a plus number, Clint. You're not even really getting, you know, uh, the sexy plus number on either side here. If you did, congrats, but that boat has long sailed. We're probably settling in tight territory from here to Saturday. I don't know if I'll pull the trigger. Maybe I will because I, I spoiler alert, there are some big plus numbers I'm, I got coming at you guys, but not a lot of bets I like on this card. Perhaps it's because I haven't looked into it. That's why I got Clint here. The pick is Cejudo by decision. No bet as of yet. Any, 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 I don't think you have any too much of problems with what I say, but uh, we're, we're pretty pro Cejudo here. But any thoughts on that, Clint? Yeah, I mean, uh, the only difference is I'm picking, you know, some kind of finish for the win here personally sure. we both are on the same side here i think he's got what it takes to go ahead and get aljamain sterling out of there we'll find out you know this thing could end up being a, a very grappling heavy fight could be super boring could be a lot like the yawn fight where minutes are just being eaten away on the clock and maybe it does go over we'll see but that's why you know it's a pick em price tag you don't need to go crazy on a prop when you're getting close to even money on something yeah. i'm picking henry exactly. as long as his hand gets raised i'll i'll get a win yeah, I think this is take a side or uh, you know take a side to shoot if you if you, if you want to play this fight. Um, Makato Kayagoku to parlay off Dan's verbiage off Jimmy. Do you ever? Uh, sorry, I mean, do you ever account Henry's great track record of making great game plans into bets? Um, even the people uh, he's coached, uh, Jones, Zhang, Figgy, and Yuri. It applies to me. I, I, I see Clint nodding his head head there. Clint, you want to weigh in on this one? Yeah, absolutely. I kind of touched on that a little bit earlier as the people come to him because his mind is so sharp, man. He analyzes things incredibly well. It's really hard. You know, every once in a while you get those professional athletes to like transfer into being an analyst at the end of their careers. We see a lot of that, you know, football, all the sports, everybody does it. But you realize that it's a very small portion of them that can actually do it because a lot of people are great fighters. Do you want to hear Nate Diaz in the booth with Daniel Cormier? Now, for a one-off episode, that could probably be a really fun time. But you're not going to want him in there every single week. They got Bisbing doing it. Why? Because Bisbing can think. They got Dom doing it. You know why? Because Dom is one of the sharpest minds in the game. That's what Henry Cejudo is. And he makes these game plans. He analyzes his fighter. He analyzes his opponent. He comes up with weaknesses. He exploits those weaknesses. He can do that for himself. And that's part of the reason why I like him. You go back to the Marlo Marais fight, he made adjustments in fight with shattered legs to do what he needed to do to get the win. And that's what I'm talking about. This guy will dig deep. He will find a way. And I want a fighter that's going to do that when I put my money on them. Yeah, uh, absolutely. By the way, you just made me picture Nate Diaz uh, and DC commentating and, and for the for the crowd and culture who always asked for this clip, forgive me. But uh, hey, DC. <laughs> He passed some of those snacks, dog. All right, Nate, just don't take my water bottle. Uh, like it would just be, it would it's just be over. that. It's over. It's over. over. <laughs> uh, Ghost Phantom says, "I don't make picks, but have you guys noticed that Henry has slick takedowns, but struggles holding them down? Is it? I think it's his distance and position in the cage, and position in the cage makes him dangerous. I think Henry's been addressing these things. They hinted at it in the Dom fight." on addressing the control more. We obviously didn't need to see it. They've hinted it in this camp. It's been three years since the Dom fight, so I imagine, yeah, he's probably improved a bit on his wrestling and jiu-jitsu, especially having to teach these things and coach these things. Back to that previous question. Um, but uh, grappling will be a gamble, though, with Sterling early. I think he can do it late like Jan did. We forget that even though Sterling won the second fight with Jan, like Jan was able to take him down and stay on top and 
bank rounds late. Like Sterling still hasn't shown great gas late, so um, that's part of it for me. But you know, Sterling, to his credit, could could get a back mount. He could slice him with an elbow. He's got a cut coming in already. And Sterling's underrated flying knees could really shock Cejudo if he gets a well-placed one. So I, I wanted to, before we push on, I wanted to at least lay those potential pathways for Sterling. Uh, so we're not too pro Cejudo over here. Uh, Jin Karasu, last point before we push on from the chat. And a parlay off Ghost and Makatu, Henry seems to tailor his style based on the weaknesses of his opponents. Like, Cejudo can apply low kicks, counterpunching, and wrestling against different people. Yeah, I think low kicks, counterpunching, and wrestling dictation is how he gets it done. Uh, pushing on to the next fight, co-main event. Man, this really changed my tune. I was going into this one thinking it was three rounds. Obviously, I do the in-depth over at Action Network, uh, where I broke it down as a five-round fight, and it actually changed my pick, um, which probably tells you where I'm going with Gilbert Burns, minus 135, Bilal Muhammad, remember the name, plus 110. Um, maybe I tip my hand toward the Muhammad side, as my article would display, but Clint, you have the floor here, sir. What, what are your thoughts on this one? Man, I, this is another spot where, um, you know, we've had a big run of underdogs recently, Dan, and not necessarily to, let, you know, put everybody to sleep in the chat, but regression in betting is a real thing. Eventually, all these underdogs are going to stop hitting. I'm tempting fate a little bit with this one. I'm riding Bilal. I actually think that the five rounds of this fight is tailor-made for Bilal Muhammad. Gilbert Burns is a bit of a sprinter and we know he can go hard for 15 minutes but he slows down in that third round especially what does he look like in rounds four and rounds five especially when he's got someone who's gonna push him and make him grapple i love gilbert burns i i am the commander of the burns train i absolutely love this guy and i've been supporting him and betting on him for years world-class bjj explosive strike striking powerful wrestling like, this guy has got the complete package, but he's just a tidbit chinny, and his gas isn't built for 25 minutes. Those two things, I think, are all that you need to be exploited by Bilal Muhammad. This guy absolutely ate the head kick that ended Kamaru Usman's career and kept coming. Like, his chin is not in question for me. So, if I've got a guy who's not chinny, who I think can take the beating from Burns early, and who's got an incredible gas tank, I think the 25 minutes is going to suit him, even if it gets hairy in rounds one or two. I think Bilal starts hitting takedowns in the second and the third, in the fourth, in the fifth. I think he takes over this fight. I, I took the dog money, man. I got Bilal winning this fight. Nice. You know, I uh, even though, again, I try to be fully transparent, um, I stick to the language that I use, whether it's leans, picks, or a bet that I'm confident on, um, we're definitely in in, in the pick ta uh, almost you know almost lean, but I think pick toward bet t uh, territory. But that being said, I, I placed the bet where my pick was. It wasn't just a pick on Muhammad. I was able to find the plus 110, which is what I wanted. It's not the sexiest number I know. Um, but it was kind of the number that I wanted for a price of entry to play around in this fight, especially with the five rounds for the way Clinton said. I like the word that he used, sprint. Um, and not just sprint, but like what that does, you need time to recover. And uh, will you will you get those second or third wins? Even um, in his last fight where he kind of looked like he started dropping off, I, I, weirdly, you know, against Masvidal. And it's been a kind of a sh shot version of Masvidal, which makes it, makes it extra weird. It looks like Burns actually has kind of regressed a bit in his striking because he is focusing on his grappling and wrestling. And is that an assumption from me? Yes, kind of, but I'm actually going off of Gilbert 
Byrne's own words, both that he is focusing on his jujitsu and wrestling again, and also that the reason why he is self-admittedly focusing on it is because he self-admittedly got away from it when he focused on his striking. We saw the early, member Josh Koscheck when he stopped wrestling and was just working on his kickboxing? This is something we've seen fighters do, and Gilbert Burns has both shown and admitted himself that that's kind of his styling. So it actually makes sense that his striking is regressed, which is a bummer because I think his striking is ironically... Uh, his pathway to victory here, whether by knockout or by club and sub, he has an underrated left hook off the counter. And whether we're talking about Jeff Neal's left kick, whether we're talking about Luke's left hook in the first fight, the third round of the second fight, Leon Edwards' southpaw double attack, what is the common thread with literally, not just 90%, not just 99%, literally 100% of every track knockdown and every unofficially tracked by the eye test time he was rocked? Left sided strikes. That's what you have to look for for Muhammad. I'm finally seeing people pick it up by saying left hook. I'm not sure if they understand the full dynamic that it's literally every left limb from every stance that hits this guy. There's a vision issue there, kind of like Stipe with right hands. Hint, hint, which is why Jones is probably cherry picking his fights. Another reason why, you know, I I, I think, uh, you know, I'm just just calling it what it is. I mean, you know, you got to see these things, folks. Um, But yeah, uh, yeah, so th- I think that's really going to be there, uh, a shot to look forward to. But if his striking's regressed, I'm not as confident in it. And seeing Bilal striking improve, he also throws shots that have hurt uh, Gilbert. Gilbert's common culprit is counter crosses, right, from an orthodox stance. Bilal throws those. He also throws checking hooks from the right side like Jacare Souza that I could see also troubling um, Gilbert here. And again, talk about overcorrecting the steering wheel, focusing on one skill and letting the rest go. What about just the natural biochemistry of overcorrecting the steering wheel, right? Like Gilbert's body is going to be like, whoa, dude, who are who we think we are? Donald Cowboy Cerrone? You want to go and sprint? Back to that word again? Like how much sprinting have we been doing in training and fighting? Like the body is going to overcorrect the steering wheel the other way. Could it happen this Saturday? Maybe not. But over five rounds, over the way Gilbert himself is gambling, we all know the risk of gambling here. That's what Gilbert's doing as well. Give me Bilal. He's fought through the adversity again, like Clint pointed out in the previous fight with Cejudo. Another great point. Guys who kind of show that they can can fight through the adversity, uh, assuming the doctor doesn't stop it, which I don't disagree with that, by the way, and thought Edwards was going to win for what it's worth. But that takes nothing away from Muhammad's heart. Uh, One unit of Muhammad plus 110. I'm not ballsy to get much bigger than that, which is nothing new for me. But yes, one unit of Muhammad. Um, last thing before we push on, two questions from the chat on this matchup. Dan, you mentioned Gilbert has trouble with counter crosses. Can Gilbert address that in the time he has, or has it happened w- within his style? Um, I don't think it, I, it's something you fix overnight, and I don't think it's that obvious of a strength of Bilal where he would focus on it, nor really could he focus on it with, what is it, 12 days this fight's happening? Can't James Kendrick, I'm rooting for Burns just because I know Dan's stance on this matchup uh i'm not sure what that means but it sounds positive uh, i'll i'll take it i do like burns by the way I lo- you know me i love duhino uh but man i'm a big Bilal guy too man i like both fighters on this one so no hate here uh next fight jessica andrage minus 200 yan Zhao nan plus 165 i admittedly am only a halfway into tape in this fight clint where do you stand on this fight set it up buddy so this fight is tough, man, because I, I think I already spoke about the recency bias in women's MMA. I think we see gigantic swings of what people think of these women fighters, and it's maybe a little over-exaggerated. Jessica Andrade, 
She is coming off of back-to-back very polarizing performances, right? She beat the brakes off my girl Lauren Murphy, looked like a million bucks, and then she got taken down and tapped out easily by Aaron Blanchfield. Now, I think Jessica Andrade is far more suited at 115 than she is at 125. The strength advantage that she has over women at 115 is completely nullified up a weight class. Now, Caitlin Chukagian, love her, but she's string beanie. She doesn't have a strength advantage over anybody. You're going to be able to maul her and throw her around. Someone like Aaron Blanchfield, who's built thicker, that's a different bit of a story. So I think she's going to look better down here at 115. We talked about, uh, on my show, we talked about, you know, she mentioned her wardrobe malfunction that led to the takedown and the fight ending sequence. I'm not a woman. I can't imagine what it feels like to have your privates shown on national television in the midst of a bloodbath fight, no less. So I don't think it in, it really affected the direction the fight was headed. I still think Aaron probably hits that sequence regardless of it taking place. But I can understand where potentially she would have defended rather than grabbing her shirt or something like that. And then who knows? Maybe she doesn't get her back taken instead because she's now got an underhook and she's in full guard on the bottom instead, something along those lines. It could have changed something. It absolutely could have. We need to recognize that. Um, the fact is, you're an elite fighter. You're a champion caliber fighter. You're top three in the world if you're beating Jessica Andrade. I've always felt that way. That hasn't changed. She's not 38 years old. She's 31, bro. Like, she feels like she's been around forever. But she's got champion back class at 31 years of age. Incredible Muay Thai. Massive power for this weight class. And Yan, I'll be honest, just has not really impressed me. She's got decent power. She's hurt some of the opponents that she has faced. But she's just now working on her wrestling. She's actually the older party here. She is 33 years old coming into this spot. And Dan, the one thing is, I cannot get the Carla Esparza fight out of my mind. Carla Esparza has knocked out how many fighters over the last decade? Dan, I'll tell you, it's one. She finished Rose Namajunas way back in 2014. The only finish she has is over Jan Jenner. And I know she's training with Uriah Faber. I know she's working hard on her grappling. There's only so much ground you can make up starting that skill set at 31, 32 years old. I think Jessica Andrade is the more complete fighter. I think she's deserving of being the favorite. And honestly, I think everybody and their mother is lining up to bet Yan Jianan in this spot because of how bad she looked in her last fight, which may we remind you, she was coming off of an incredible performance over Lauren Murphy and the beach. Like she literally went to the beach and was like celebrating with her mom, sipping Mai Tais, when she got the call for Aaron Blanchfield. So the version of Andrade that existed the night she fought Blanchfield, not to mention the titty slip, was already a 70, 80% version of herself. I think she's healed up. I think she comes back with the events. I wouldn't be at all surprised if Jessica Andrade finishes Yan Jianan on Saturday, Dan. Uh, I have not bet this one, but the lower this line goes, the more interested in I get. Um, I might jump at some point before Saturday. We'll see what happens. But I, I kind of, the other part of this is, Dan, I'm used to being the guy that everyone tells me I'm insane. I'm used to being one of five people on Song Yudong. Like, I can't wrap my brain around the think tank when everybody on Twitter is all on the same side. And don't get me wrong, sometimes they're right. But that idea of not jumping in the boat with everybody else, that just terrifies me. 
So I'm just never betting Yanjianan this weekend. That's all it comes down to from a betting perspective for me because everyone and their mother is on Yanjianan and usually mm. the public think tank is wrong. They might get this one right. Maybe they will. I don't know if I'm betting it at all, but I'm just saying that cautions me away from that side. It's favorite or pass for me. Yeah, that worries me too. Uh, when everyone's on the on the on the same side, that's why I kind of hated that I ended up on Bilal because I feel like everybody is on that side this weekend. But you broke it down beautifully as far as I see like a the, lot of people on Burns, by the way. Really? Okay. If that makes you feel that any better. You, that does. That does actually. <laughs> that does. That does. You know, I, I'm probably just you know, I. I, I honestly don't try to look at that many people uh, plays like on purposely, but what comes yeah. across my board and I think the people I've seen is everybody kind of probably you would accuse of like being in my friend circle or people I respect. So maybe not a surprise there that I end up on the same side as, as, as certain people. Uh, but but I, I totally, I totally get what you're saying. And you did a beautiful job of setting up why the mindset back to the recency bias point, right? Uh, as far as why the lines this way, I got excited but at least looks looks on my end, Jessica and Draj, I'm still seeing her at two to one. Opened at minus one seventy five. You can still maybe find that at a, at a better line at, at some places. Of course, I'm usually citing the worst lines is what I get. Um, but I am leaning toward the Andraj side, and I have a feeling that I I'll be more confident on it because I totally get the underdog lean. Like I'm all scared away. Andraj is my girl, but I, I lost out on taking the short notice shot on her that time against Blanchfield. And even though I was right about Murphy, that one hurt me, Clint. I think I emptied big on Andraj inside the distance. Had that in a round robin, should that oh have hit, would have like multiplied the. Uh, you know what I'm saying? So it was just. And you've been there. We've all been there. I'm not playing a violin. I'm just explaining like the PTSD to your point. How that can affect these betting lines it can affect these perspectives and you want to at least try to be better than it we're only human um so we'll see maybe i get much more confident in it because i'm not a big person on Mackenzie dern maybe i go back and watch that fight i go back and watch the marina rodriguez fight with yan Nan, and i come across on ones like i'm still holding out Derek lewis wardrobe malfunction for my bingo card you know and i say fun because Derek lewis would probably do something funny like try to make the ref fix it for him so let's be honest folks um, <laughs> instead of complaining about the line, but hey, can you fix this? That <laughs> Derek Lewis is that guy. Uh, but yeah, so I'll leave it there. I'll answer a couple from the chat. Um, Kambopoulos Rosen, uh, this one is for Clint. Can Zhao Nan do what Whaley did and Tager with intercepting elbows on the way inside since Andrade swings wide? Potentially. You know, I'll be honest with you guys. Uh, my analysis of these fights is nowhere near as in-depth on the skill set as your boy Dan's is. So those kinds of questions I would aim at and pass off to Dan. He is far more technical than I am, especially when it comes to the striking. You know, I told you guys I've done some grappling. I'm a BJJ blue belt. That was 10 years ago. You know what I mean? Like, I've been a desk jockey ever since, and I kind of take things at a little bit more of a surface level than that. So I absolutely believe that sounds like an approach that you could take against someone like Andrade. But if it's something that has worked in the past against someone who is literally the best in the world at this division, the current seated champion, you got to think someone like Andrade probably has learned from that and made adjustments. I also would need to actually go back and see if that's part of Yen's game, if that's something we've ever seen her do before, because you've got to realize 33 years old it's very rare that these fighters spin on their heads and become somebody completely different so the things we've seen from yan in her last couple fights i expect her still to do those things maybe just with little tweaks maybe she does learn a little step in elbow action and that's something that she mixes into the fight but i'd have a hard time believing that suddenly becomes her entire game plan for this one because i don't recall seeing that so 
yes and no. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I agree. I appreciate the kind words, Clint. Uh, I wish I could have more for them. Uh, I, I still got to go back and watch the tape too, but no elbows come to mind, and I suspect that Yan Jianan and her team are going to be prioritizing takedown defense, kind of like her last fight in those situations, not end up on the bottom of Andrade. Um, Ghost Phantom adds some technical stuff here. He's good about that stuff. He says, uh, Yan Jianan has a bad habit of backing up to the fence, and her hand leaves her open for Andrade looping left. Uh, for Andrade's looping left hooks. Seems bad for Xiaonan, but who knows? Appreciate that. And uh, before we push on to the next matchup, uh, Makatu Kaiogoku says, Dan, can we compare Xiaonan and Wei Li? Are they two completely different fighters? I have seen on many MMA media outlets that Xiaonan and Wei Li are pretty similar in skill. Um, they're similar in the sense of they both come from a, a Wushu Sanda background which is a striking martial art that's kind of sportified. You'll see versions of Sanda, Russian Sanda, Wushu Sanda, and a lot of the Russian or Eastern European fighters. Um, those are some of the uh, accepted uh, art forms or commonplace art forms. But Whaley, much more better of a wrestler and more developed with a ground game. Zhao Nan can show improvements from there. But like Clint said, she's 33 years old, I believe, off the top of my head. And she's in a matchup where she's really going to have to even show it possibly more. I know Dern is a submission specialist, uber dangerous, but uh, Andrade, uh, arguably much better wrestler, can knock you out with the wrestling portion, much less the TKOs and the submissions on the floor. Um, da -da -da -da. Uh, we'll get to the rest uh, later. Uh, we're going to go down to the next matchup. Uh, I see my man Kyle Johnson. I'll get to you. That, I'll, I'll get to that one next. Pushing on to the next matchup, we've got uh, uh Charles Jordan, uh, <laughs> Charles Johnson again. Charles Jordan minus one ninety. Cron Gracie plus one fifty five. Um, I like what Jordan's saying. He sounds a lot smarter in interviews. Sounds like him and Fabio Holanda, excellent jiu-jitsu, old-school jiu-jitsu coach, have the right ideas, but can Jordan stay disciplined, and can he turn it up in round three when he needs to, which sounds crazy to say for Jordan, but whenever I bet him in round three, yeah, he'll, he'll, he either does the 300 Spartan impression, uh, or uh, you, guys, you guys know what fight I'm talking about, or, or, or things awesome. go... Things go wrong, but uh, do you have a, a side or any any big statements on this fight, Clint? I do, I do. I bet Cron Gracie, man. Um, I love Charles Jordan. I really do. He's super exciting, but he's a fighter who's a lot like uh, my guy Chris Curtis. Man, he's seeking Valhalla. Like he wants to go out on his shield. He wants the 50k bonus every time he's in there. Everything he does is designed to be exciting and flashy. He is a great fighter to watch. He is fun for the UFC. But what he's not is a super technical fighter. What he doesn't do is he doesn't play the game very well to win. So he gets into a brawl out there and wants to show out and throw flying knees and throw spinning heel kicks. And that leaves a lot of openings for your opponent. And he just relies on the fact that he is mean enough, tough enough, fast enough to get his way through whatever they throw at him and work his way to his next position. Man, that's not always going to work. And especially with someone like Kron Gracie, who has got such high-caliber, crisp, clean jiu-jitsu, I really think, Dan, it's only going to take one takedown. We have seen Charles Jordan have troubles on the ground before. Now, I'm sure he's young, he's improving, he's working on it, it'll get better. I don't think he's going to be good enough from one camp to the other to be able to beat a Gracie on the ground. And frankly, I don't think he should try the other part of this is he's a guy that comes forward. 
you know, Cron Gracie lost to Cub Swanson. Cub was running from him that night, Dan. He was punching the body, he was attacking, and then he was getting out of range as soon as he possibly could. And that's not what Charles does. Charles goes forward. One option, gas pedal. And because of that, it's going to provide opportunities for Kron to hit him back. It's going to provide opportunities for Kron to body lock. There will be trips. There will be scrambles. These guys are going to end up colliding because of the way Charles Jordan fights, which I think is a matchmaking thing from the UFC. They're giving Kron an opportunity. He actually hits pretty damn hard, Dan. I watched back the, uh, uh, the fight with Cub Swanson, and I almost turned it off after the first round of the fight because in that first round, my memory of what happened that night matched up real well with that first round, and it was Cub just basically beating Kron's ass. Mm. But if you keep watching, in the second round, the forward pressure starts to get to him a little bit. At the end of the second round, Cub's face has got some swelling on it. In the third round, it's hairy. And that's where it's like, oh my God, like Kron's got a decent gas tank. Kron's tough as nails. Kron hits pretty hard. His striking is super simple and basic, but if he hits you, he's going to damage and hurt you. So that's where the flip, the switch flipped on in my brain, Dan, and I'm going, oh, shit. Kron <laughs> is far more alive in this fight than I initially thought. So I did go ahead and pull the trigger. I did bet Kron Gracie. I do think eventually he's going to find his way to the ground here with Charles Jordan. And, Dan, I think he's going to tap him out. Charles is a young kid. He's going to improve. He's going to get better. We're going to see more from him in the future. There will be opportunities down the line. He's going to be on the roster and be an exciting fighter for years to come. I think he loses on Saturday. Yeah, man. I hear what you're, I, I hear what you're saying. I, I could see it. I definitely want to go back and look at those fights myself. Uh, what you're saying is absolutely bringing true. And I know those feelings where it's those matchups where you see unanimous decision or you see a result and you think of it in your head a certain way. But when you actually go back... It's much more competitive than what you realize. So I totally feel you there. I went on a recent deep dive of Cron uh, Gracie's socials. It was more older stuff and diet stuff he's done for like other diet channels and was just looking into like other rabbit holes. Um, but I, well, I had a hard time finding anything too relevant. You can feel free to jump in if you've seen anything there. But yeah, um, as of right now, probably slightly leaning toward Jordan if there's a gun in my head. But if you see a Gracie pick for my Quick Picks article, do not be surprised. Um, that being said, regardless of which side I pick, I think the only stab, not even real play, but I think the only stab you can take on the Jordan side is unless you're taking a stab in round three that if it went, if it goes that long and maybe there's something there. Other than that, for the price that uh, Jordan is at and everything else kind of going for it, this feels like a dog or pass spot. So I don't blame you, Clint, for taking the dog here in that situation. Also, ironically, even though we're in the big cage, uh, and even if even if I don't end up on the same side of you on this one, Clint, um, I find myself not that it's a a, 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 a albeit rule or a, a what do you call a hundred percent foolproof rule, but I am picking a lot of grapplers in the bigger cage where people know my betting style. I'm much more of a submission grappler in the smaller cage. Again, the guy who comes on late than the guy who comes on early. The more proven product over the contender series. I'm very guilty of certain tropes. And uh, this is this is one where I'm going almost opposite, but I just feel like the analysis, the feels, the gambling, everything um, is pointing to a lot of these superior wrestlers and or submission grapplers where we end up where, where we're siding with more often than not. Not every time. We'll see how it shakes out. Um, For sure. And Dan, if I could just yeah, one, please. Yes, one please. last thing. I always do this uh, on my show. 
And since, you know, you've got an awesome group of people here listening to the pod and stuff like that, just a little tidbit here for your uh, your viewers, Dan. I do the sharp action report on these big pay-per-view cards where I do have a sponsorship with Superbook Sports. And the risk manager over there at Superbook comes on with me and he talks through where the action has come in, what the public side is on, what the sharper betters that they are on. And the one thing that sets off alarms in my brain is they have one guy, Dan. It is their number one most respected better over at Superbook Sports. Mm. And I've said this before on my show, so I apologize, people listening, if you've heard this from me before, but it's true. They have offered this man larger limits to try to entice him to come play more often because they shade their lines around his action. When he comes in and bets aside, they respect what he has done so far, the damage he's done at their book, that they literally move their lines to be more profitable based off of how he bets. His first bet this week was Cron Gracie. Ah, so that's just good for to know. even one. I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. That that's all. No, that's awesome. That 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 information is awesome. Actually, really to know, and uh, that that's super interesting for me. And I'm sure all the uh, the betters listening and watching this. By the way, don't forget to hit the smash the like button. We're deep into the program now, so I can say this week, folks, that uh, again, sadly, the way sites are like all. Uh, Clint knows this again. We we spoke about this. All engagement is good engagement. Don't get me wrong. It doesn't even show the dislikes, so people think they're hating. They're actually just helping my algorithm. That being said, whether it's comments Don't here or, that. or uh, yeah, I know whether it's comments here or cough cough reviews elsewhere that help algorithms. Um, uh, I, you know, I'm not going to get into it, but uh, let's just say they they would really helpful be helpful right now to make sure the positive stuff stir, stirs toward the top. Kyle Johnson in the house. He says, "Hey Dan, hope you're doing well and glad to see Clint on the pod. Me too." Appreciate your UFC analysis. Uh, Keeping busy, uh, this uh, keeping this busy one employee company. I didn't realize you're a one employee. I don't know if you're out outing yourself or wanting out yourself, but uh, I appreciate people in the community, man. Much love and uh, anybody working in this space, man. That's something to remember. You know, Um, there are plenty of people who work behind the scenes in spaces. I say this all the time about the UFC, Clint. I know, and and I, I definitely get labeled this way, and I'm not. Uh, you know, beyond giving my criticism, but it's so easy to, you know, throw stones at UFC or Dana White and forget there's really good, amazing people that uh, work incredibly hard to give us entertainment each week, each week in and out. And I think that shouldn't go overlooked. Absolutely. All right. Ghost Phantom, uh, to build off to my earlier point, Duran is not good cage cutter and Xiaonan still got attacked up at the fence. That is true. I guess my only worry is that whole standard conservative thing of a fighter maybe overcorrecting the wheel not confident in themselves we saw arguably saw that Andrade have a little bit of that before her finish of uh, what's her name the striker girl um, at 125 uh, he did, she did this standing head and arm choke but before that it was a bit awkward we saw a, a bit of what I'm kind of afraid we could see this week again maybe my opinion changes so don't hold me too much there um, last one before I push on here, uh, Jimmy Kudo. What do you think of Cron Gracie talking about changing the rules of MMA? Oh, that was that was funny. He uh, Jimmy says, is it similar to what the Gracies used to talk about in the past? It sure sounded like that. It sounded like uh, Joe Rogan uh, on his fifth bowl talk with Eddie Bravo talking about MMA should ha- happen in basketball courts. I don't have a big opinion on that. It's always cute though. What, what, any any thoughts, Clint? I mean, it's just the Gracies being Gracies, man. Honestly, they don't... The Diaz bros are the way they are because of the Gracies, man. They don't play the game. They don't play the game. They don't know how to win rounds. 
They don't know how judging scoring works. They just want to win the fight. Those guys are fighters. And if you take time away, if you take the ref away, and it's just whoever walks out at the end is the winner, that favors them. That's all it is, man. They they want a fair shake at winning the fight. That would suit yeah. the Gracies a whole lot better. That's what put their name on the map in the first place is the early UFC days when they did shit like that. That's all. And I'm not reading too much into a guy who thinks the earth is flat. So his opinion doesn't mean a whole lot to me. I just hope he wins on Saturday. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Sinker Wings says, how important is the long layoff for Kron in your pick? Of course it's important, but we're in speculation city at that point. You know, uh, there's plenty, a deceptive amount of examples of long layoffs that have gone well. I've stopped tracking since like a year or two ago when I did that article. Um, but of course, it, it filters in. I'll let Clint touch on that. But just the last one, promise before we push on, because it's about the fight. Jin Karasu for Dan. Which one is the process-based fighter in Gracie versus Jordan? You know what? I am more of a process-based guy. The more process-based guy is Gracie. Uh, Clint said, you know, Jordan moves forward. I think the directionality for Jordan can go back both ways. We've seen him counter off the back foot, which I think will be bad because it'll allow Gracie's pressure to come alive and press him against the fence. But I think what Clint hit on perfectly was the aggression, which will probably get him in trouble here because uh, Gracie is the more process-based fighter. Doesn't mean he'll win. Who knows? We will have to see. But that was a good question. Anything to touch on there, Clint, before we push on? No, no, I, I think you nailed it. That's definitely kind of how I feel about it. And as far as uh, the layoff goes... It's always sketchy betting on somebody coming off a layoff, but man, part of what it is for me is this guy's carrying the flag for the Gracie family right now. They're so deep in the MMA game, so respected because of them essentially getting jujitsu on the map and helping MMA become what it is. I think this is a must-win situation for the Gracies as a whole. I can't imagine they're throwing their favorite son back into the cage, expecting him to go in there and lose. I think he's been training. We can't find proof of it on social media, but you got to think he's been working and, and preparing for this type of UFC return to uphold the family name. So making a couple of assumptions, which you have to do in gambling, but sure. I think the layoff is probably working on his striking more than not. Yeah, and more importantly, UFC looks like they might want to get him a win. Regardless if he will, Not no disrespect to Jordan. I may still pick Jordan, but just saying, they're definitely trying to give him a, a winnable fight as best they can at this level. Uh, next fight Dan, we've got... I don't believe yeah. in fixed fights. I don't think the UFC no, fixes these fights. At all. It's not rigged, yep. but they sure as hell try to <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Uh, prelim time, baby. I love it, by the way. No, no heavyweights on this main card. Um, which is crazy. No, this you know, uh, 170 was the biggest weight class, and the lead-ins at 155, where it should be. Joe Silva's smiling from his grave somewhere. Dan, he's not dead. Who knows? But we've got Drew Dober minus 225. <laughs> Matt Frivola, steamroller plus 180 on the comeback. At least the line I'm going off of here. Uh, I haven't gone through this one too uh, thoroughly. I'm pretty sure off my head, we'll get Frivola on the Southpaw report. One and one. Uh, I believe Jalen Turner was one of those fights. And another one I don't quite have at the top of my head. Clint, take it away. Do you have any thoughts on this one? Yeah, man. This fight is great. This fight is incredible. I love this fight so much. Drew Dober has become a bit of a gatekeeper, in my opinion. Um, not saying that in a detrimental way. It's because he's so damn good he's going to take out the prospects. And he's really tough to get by. You are legit if you can get by Drew Dober. So this is a real big test for Matt Frivola. The thing is with Dober, we've seen time and time again, Dan, he gets exposed on the mat. You go back and you look through the guys that Drew Dober has lost to, it is all grappling heavy game plans. And you might, you might be like, Clint, what are you talking about? Brad Riddell is a striker. He landed five takedowns that night. 
Brad Riddell put his singlet on the night he fought Drew Dober, and that led him to victory. Islam Mahachev, Benil Dariush, OAM before he went over to the PFL. Those are the guys that beat this man. If I could get 1,000% confirmation that Matt Frivola was wrestling in this fight, Dan, I'd be betting on him all day as the dog because this man is like Marab. He's got a machine. He has cardio for days. He's strong wrestling. He can chain when he needs to. We saw it way back when he fought Jalen Turner. So I think Frivola is extremely live in this fight. The problem is... I kind of feel like he's fallen in love with his hands. I think he's maybe a little too high on himself right now. I can't guarantee he's not going to come out like he did against the Zaytar and just swing for the fences. And if he does that, I think that Dober is a level up in the striking and is probably going to make him pay. So if you're betting on Frivola, I get it. I see it. I might find my way there by Saturday because that's the weakness for Drew Dober. But, man, I'm also afraid he gets chinned because he's a little overconfident in his own hands. <laughs> Absolutely, man. And, again, I don't want to put words in the fighter's mouth or get too lost in the speculation city. But I like to go off the coaches themselves, especially when the coaches don't like to talk too much and they're well-respected coaches like Ray Longo, who kind of tips it off. He says they actually want him to wrestle. It's been something they've been vocal about to fight smarter if you're reading between the lines. But yes, wrestle. It's almost like they know their guys. There's a risk factor there, right? But the problem is not just from what you see, but again, from the horse's mouth, at least from his team and his head coach, the guy's got that dog in him, almost to a detriment. And I don't know if the chin holds up every time, which is the problem. Whereas Drew Dober, you know, shout out to Paul Chag. Yeah, I'm not, I don't, I'm not even going to step into his joke territory. He's got all the, the Dober chin jokes, but they come from a place of reason. They're, they're, there's some truth to that, right? So I still going to do my due diligence and look at Matt Frivola's southpaw fights. But, you know, it's crazy. He comes out and he, he swings with uh, Azatar like you mentioned, Clint. And, again, even his coach said, you know, we're, we, we, don't get me wrong. We're glad to have gotten the win. But, uh, you know, that's not what we were trying to go for. I and mean, he even kind of admitted after the fact that, you know, he, he went against orders back to having that dog in him. Not speculating, literally going off of what we've seen and what they're saying to us. So for that reason, I can tell you that uh, I'll be pretty certain I'm leaning toward Dober, and that'll be the pick that I, I, I hit punch on. Maybe I see something I like. Maybe uh, maybe I take a little shot on Dober round one. I wish I had those DraftKings or those houses that allow you to do the round one, round two maybe, or if you have any combos like that. Maybe if there's decent plus money. I'm not sure, but I'm leaning toward Dober. Okay. And, man, uh, i got to give a shout-out real quick to my guy Liam Picks Fights. He called Dober the Crimson Chin. And I was like, that's that's good. <laughs> that is good. I like that. That is good. James Kendrick, you are all good in the chat, buddy. Krombopolis Rosen. I love it too, Dan. No heavyweights. I know you guys are similar people of taste and education uh, like ourselves here, if I dare say so myself. Let's push down the prelims. Let's get through this, folks. We've got Devin Brown Bear. Come on, you got to fight, goddammit. Sorry, Clint, and your ears, folks. I had to do that for the uh, crowd. A little David Clark action. Versus, uh, shout out to my guy Wes Colvin, Kenny Nunchucks, Kennedy in check. Woo, Fortis MMA's own minus two hundred is the favorite. This is another complete line flip. You had Devin Clark opening as the favorite, but public money has come in, Clint, um, on uh, on uh, Kenny Nunchucks. Do you agree or disagree in this spot? Where are you at, buddy? So, I do agree just a bit because I'm a Kennedy guy. I actually think that Kennedy and Chukwu, his size, his stature, his frame, it's excellent. 
for fighting. And he looks like he's really coming along. He's rounding out. His skills are getting better. 80% takedown defense. Like, I love everything about Kennedy. The only problem for me in this spot, Dan, is he starts slow, and his whole game plan is kind of built around let your opponents kind of crash against you and wear themselves out trying to hurt you or wrestle you. And then he cranks it up in rounds two and rounds three when you're kind of already a little less of yourself after trying to get him out of there. I hate on <laughs> I hate on Brown Bear a lot. I don't think he's all that great. I kind of think he's the bare minimum gatekeeper in the UFC. Like, if you can't beat Devin Clark, you probably shouldn't be in the UFC's 205-pound division. But the one thing he's got, man, is cardio. And if Kennedy gets a round behind on this man and expects him to let up, it's not going to happen. Kennedy needs to come out and start faster in this fight. If he does, I think he's got the skill set to get the win. I think he can finish somebody like Devin Clark. But if he does his usual thing, and this is kind of what we talked about, right, with fighters and their game plans, if I'm his coach, I'm going, Kennedy, bro, you got maybe two minutes, and then you got to get going in that first round. If he doesn't get started until two minutes into the second round, it's over. And Devin Clark will win this fight by decision. So I'm not laying this price on Kennedy. I am picking him to win. I think he's got the higher ceiling. He's coming from the better camp. I like him better as a prospect. I'm concerned about the style matchup for him. Yeah, uh, I hear that. I hear that. My my pages are a bit like frozen, frozen up. Everything's working great, by the way. But uh, not loading for me, so I... If I seem unprepared, it's why, folks. I actually have the tabs, but they're just um, they're just not loading. But uh, yeah, for this fight, um, I, I went into the tape on actually and got something for you guys. Uh, Clint, of course, he's a, attached to a, a, an Action Network email thread, so he probably sees where I'm going on this one, which shouldn't be a surprise. Again, Clint said he's the more slower kind of getting going guy. Who do I tend to go to? And that's not overlooking uh, Clark as a first-rounder bus fighter, especially since relocating his camp to elevation, like Clint said. Excellent note on the cardio, Clint. And we saw that, right? Last fight, he really dogged it out. Clint, I don't know what side you were on, but it was painful for me to rewatch it because I was big on Da Anjung, uh, Da Woonjung, I should say, in, on that point. I even took I uh, a, a, a cheeky subflyer. Did you take a cheeky subflyer like me too? Because I know we like to do those things, Clint. And I didn't he, take a cheeky subflyer. I just had him. I had oh. him huge on the money line. I had him sure. huge inside the distance. Like oh. I went all in on Da Un Jung. I, I've told you I don't like Devin Clark. I don't think he's right. very good. I thought that was a layup for Da Un Jung. Sure, so same here. I treated it as such. And I, I lost a couple of my money bags. <laughs> I hear you, man. I, again, sometimes you do go with your gut, and, and it does, it's not there. And I was right with you with that one, so no, no, uh, no shame there. But yeah, uh, he did go for it, and you know, I did say Jung has underrated wrestling and grappling and top control from that team. He went for it. That's all I could ask for. A little uh, too much. I didn't really have the greatest game plan for this MMA. Much better game plans. Uh, Kennedy, uh, his cardio doesn't seem, or you know, and his speed doesn't seem as much of a problem. I think he's got more snap, more power, and I think that's the difference. You made a note on the cardio, and Clark can dog it out. It's it was still closer than what I remembered. I think when you're losing the bet, you're catastrophizing, so it feels worse in your head. You go back, and it still sucks. You still lost, but it wasn't as bad as you remembered, right? And I look at it, and I look at Kennedy's hips and the way, granted, we've mainly seen him doing it offensively, though he's shown good get-up scrambles and have that own kind of dog in him. I mean, Danilo Marquez, even having his best positions, wasn't able to finish. Kennedy's only gotten better. We've talked about younger fighters. That was what I was trying to look up earlier, what froze on me. If 
Kenny was the younger f fighter. I know he, I'm pretty sure he is gun in my head, but how much? Also a big fan of this guy's personal story. You know, the common thread where I'm not an athlete or a fighter, but, you know, someone who, you know, is primary caretaker to their disabled mother. I, I appreciate stories like that and all the adversity this kid goes through, what he's fighting for, don't get me wrong. Um, but yeah, th that aside even, I, I still like Kennedy here because I think he can hurt Devin Clark. I think that reach will make him uncomfortable. Clark, you know, again, really good at wrestling. That worries me too, that 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 crashing dynamic. But we've also seen Kennedy do the length dynamic. He's shown, even though not reliably, and he's been kind of gypped out of decisions, he's arguably won when he's shown some of his uh, kind of at-space counter-striking. But these things are there. So I'm actually going to go with Kennedy. I took some sprinkles in round two and round three. Um, I don't have him in any parlays. I, I stayed away from the money line. So really, it's only a half unit exposure if I crash here, Clint. But uh, again, light heavyweight. You know, you said you to, you know you got to be able to finish a guy at Devin Clark at light heavyweight. I think uh, an even better way to build off your point that you made there is that light heavyweight is a division of finishers. And against Devin Clark, you got to finish the guy, right? I think we can all agree on that. If you want to beat him, you got to be a finisher, I think, is the real thing to key in on here. And uh, we'll see. Well, we'll see with Kenny Nunchucks. Uh, I'm going to take the shot. Again, uh, two quarter unit shots for a half unit total. Um, I got round two. Uh, I think only not, nothing too sexy. Something like what? Like plus 500 or something. And then round three plus 700. Um, again, nothing too sexy. Oh, wait, I lied. Uh, in one house, I actually did uh, Kennedy inside the distance at plus 125. I didn't have enough balls to take uh, the sub call. You know, maybe I'm still riding high off that Metafield guillotine sub call and cashing that against Clark ages ago now. But maybe it's another Fortis member there. Uh, maybe he's due for another one. But uh, I just took the inside the distance. So I lied. 1.5 unit exposure. But there's not a lot of bets on this card. So actually not a lot of exposure. So I'm cool if well, I lose this. Dan, if if I may, yes, you know Kennedy and Span are like super tight, right? Yeah, like they've been shouting each other out in their post-fight speeches left and right after their last couple of wins. They've been talking about how uh, they expected Span was going to take the title at 205 and then move up to heavyweight to make way for Kennedy to come up and take the belt after he was done. Like those guys are thick as thieves. And if Span was able to hit his patented guillotine on this man. You best believe his training partner is going to be looking for it. I'm sure they've probably drilled that a couple times. I don't think that's a bad look at all. That's a bit, that's a little bit tinfoil hatty, but I mean, realistically, there are training partners. You got to think they probably went over notes like that in the in the uh, in the gym. So I don't mind that sub look. That's a little sneaky. Yeah, not too tinfoil hatty too at plus ten at plus one thousand, Clint. Because even though it reads as TKO finishes in rounds two and three in Kennedy's last two fights, if you look, he went for multiple front choke attempts and rear naked choke attempts. The TKOs almost came out of frustration because he was almost like he was dead set on trying to cash his submission ticket himself. So, again, at plus 1,000, you don't got to really want to choke lot. this guy. Fuck it, I'll just punch him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it, it could be there to the tinfoil hat point. I mean, it really wouldn't be that crazy and you're getting a nice number so you don't have to lay a lot. But you're adults. Make your own choices out there, folks. All right. Like next it. Next fight, we're gonna clear out, clear down. Um, I got, I got fairly quick opinions on the rest. Clint, feel free to wax on whatever you like. But we got Chaos Williams in the house minus three hundred. Shout out to my guy James Lynch who, just, James knows what he's doing because he's such a, he's such a pro. He handles everything so well. But Chaos's answers is unintentional comedy, and I don't mean that in a disrespectful way because I'm a fan of Chaos. We got him at minus three hundred. Ronaldo Bedoya. Plus two fifty. I haven't looked into Bedoya yet, um, but what do we what do we got here from your perspective, Clint? 
Uh, I am on Chaos. I threw Chaos in a parlay. He's a bit chalky. It's a little bit high of a line, but I think it's warranted in this case. I mean, the kid's got all kinds of raw, unfiltered talent at this point. He's going to be getting better. He's got the death touch. He fires absolute missiles. He's not low volume like a lot of power punchers are. This guy will swing for the fences and throw in combinations. He's got a crazy chin on him, too. He's been tested. He's been chin-checked. And he's come out the other side unscathed. I like everything there is to, to have about Chaos Williams, man. This kid, uh, Ronaldo Bedoya, he seems almost like the perfect sucker to be in the cage with a Chaos Williams because all he does is come forward. He's a guy that likes to come forward, brawl, throw his hands, and then level change once he's got you backed up against the fence. First off, I think you're going to have a hard time backing up Chaos. Second, I think you're going to have a hard time level changing on Chaos. And so this seems like a spot to me where, yeah, we got a 14-1 and prospect coming in here. I may die on this hill because it's happened and I've just been completely wrong before by some of these kids that are way more talented outside the UFC than I give them credit for when they get here. But I don't think they're betting on Bedoya and using Chaos as a springboard. I don't see this kid coming in here and being the guy that gets one over on Chaos. I don't think he's going to have the right game plan to drag Chaos into deep waters. I Frankly, I don't think he's going to be able to avoid the punishment. So... I'm not sure this kid has the chin to take whatever chaos is dealing, whether it's by knockout or by decision. I think this is a chaos spot. I'm going to lean with KO, but I have seen Bedoya get hit and survive it before. I don't think by anybody near as powerful as chaos, so I'm assuming it'll be knockout, but I went the parlay route just in case. Now, I don't disagree with anything you're saying, and you know, again, I only did the kind of interview and portions of that social media uh, research. I did not actually take this fight, again, for full disclosure, like I always give you guys for that. But, uh, yeah, here's my one worry, though. Uh, what I'm getting just kind of off of feels, I believe, again, my my, uh, my sure dogs and tapologies are responding slow. But Chaos, I believe, coming off a loss, coming off a bit of a layoff. Uh, back to the aforementioned interview with my man James Lynch there. Shout out to his channel. Always good interviews there. Um, you know, Chaos was talking about paying bills and his outside endeavors, which he just said, we'll keep it at real estate. We'll keep it at that. I'm not trying to look into whatever he's got, but the point is this feels like a real business trip for Chaos Williams, both with whatever he's got going out outside the octagon and for his general career trajectory. And he's not necessarily a low-volume guy, but between that PTSD of wanting to play it careful, not being sure what you're going to get, I'm sure Chaos doesn't want to make that mistake either, Clint, as far as overlooking outside the UFC talent. And, again, I know fighters say things in interviews. We have to take it with a grain of salt. But Chaos is a bit of a counter guy. And by his own words, he's really going to be looking to counter this fight. I love counter fighters, but we know that can make things closer than they need to be, even when there should be a clear winner for the judges. Not trying to scare anybody off that or scare Clint or anybody else who has a bet on that. That is just something that comes to mind in this fight. But I'm still going to pick Chaos Williams. I don't disagree with Clint said. Uh, and we'll see if I get a closer look at Bedoya, who I definitely want to look at his profile before we get to Saturday. Anything else on uh, this There'll one? There will be Clint? plenty of options to counter, Dan. Yeah. There will be there, lots there, of options to yeah? counter. Yeah, okay. I, I, I like it. I like it. Theo C. Jr. in the chat says, Clinton, Dan, two of my fave MMA YouTubers. Uh, I'll take that, man. I haven't been doing the YouTube thing as long as uh, Clint and many others believe it or not. Um, not that I've been in this space for that long, but yeah, it doesn't match the time I've had in this space, but I'll I'll take a compliment and next to my guy Clint here, of course. Uh, we got uh, Jin Karasu, and I'll push on after this. I'll save the rest of you guys for later. 
He goes, do you classify fighters under process base, opportunists, and spammers, as in spamming one technique? Um, those are definitely classifications, but I try not to have hard and fast rules, hard and fast classifications, or any kind of segregations, for that matter, of any fighters. This is a crazy, volatile game. You can't be too sold on a rule, even when it's doing you well. Um, that's also when it can burn you. So always keep an open mind in life and in this game. Uh, moving on, we got... Marina Rodriguez, minus 140. Prices come down on my girl, Verna Janji Droba, plus 115. I always want to say Joba, damn you, damn you, bad tastric. But I love my girl, Verna, man. Uh, Janji Droba, plus 115. Um, not as big of a price tag as it was initially. Uh, you know, I, I still got to look into this fight. I plan on doing so, uh, especially watching Marina's last couple. But, uh, man, I, this is torn. I, I feel like I could be picking Rodriguez, but my heart is going to be with Verna. Clint, w what's your take on this fight? I already bet Verna. Um, I'm on Janjaroba, buddy. So I was very much a believer in Marina Rodriguez. I thought she was going to be a title challenger. I thought she was on a rocket ship for the top five. And, yeah, maybe some of that is still a little bit true, but – Honestly, man, she has never patched up her grappling, and I think that's going to be the death of her. She is a fish out of water, and she gets on her back. She doesn't have great takedown defense. She's got those long, spindly legs, and once she gets those underneath her, she has no way to get back up to her feet, and she hasn't even tried, it seems, to solve that problem. So grapplers just have a heyday with her. Verna, not the strongest wrestler in the world, but a pretty physically strong grappler and a decent wrestler. I think she'll have opportunities to get Marina Rodriguez down. And then when she's on the feet, she is a jujitsu player, but man, she's got pop on her punches. She's one of these big physical marauding type of Brazilian fighters that uh, does really well in the striking because she'll hurt you with a body shot or she'll topple you over with an overhand and then dive on your back like i think verna's game plan is built pretty well to go ahead and win this fight one way or another i think it finds it uh, its way to the ground and when it does i wouldn't be shocked if verna subs her I, I think marina rodriguez is good enough to like hang in there and work her way to you know the third round and she's even had a couple of draws because she's given up two rounds and then almost killed her opponent in the third so like some weird stuff could happen in this fight but I think that Verna being the younger fighter, Verna being the stronger grappler, is going to be what rules the day here in this one. I've got a bet on the dog here, man. I'm on Verna already. I love it. Uh, regardless of where I end up, I'm already rooting for you. Maybe I'll end up on the same side as you. Clint, we'll see. Maybe you get a good live number for you live betters if Marina has a good first round. It's enough to convince some judges. But unless Marina gets it done in the first round, i got to imagine the percentages, if you're holding onto a ticket, a Verna ticket like Clint, you got to feel a lot better once you get out of that first, right? You know, um, it's funny because there's a lot of fights where that is a big part of the cap to me. I'm not so sure in this one. Um, just because, like I said, Marina has had those flashes of comebacks. She has sure. had the draw against, uh, what was it? I think it was uh, Claudia Gadelia and Carlos. No, 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 sorry. Those were the canceled ones. It was the Cynthia Calvillo fight. Um I th I'm sorry, it was the Randa Marcos fight. Cynthia almost killed her, not the other way around. <laughs> um, so going all the way back to like the Randa Marcos fight, I think that's the one where she was down, you know, 20 to 18, and then mm -hmm. nearly killed her in the third round. Didn't quite get her out of there. So I, I trust her gas tank. She can absolutely pull a rabbit out of her hat if she needs to at the end of this fight. 
Honestly, I think this one's just going to be a tough back and forth fight, and it's going to depend on the judges because I'm sure we'll get that damage versus control argument in this fight. I'm yeah. praying Verna finds her way to a submission so I don't have to deal with yeah. the judges. Um, but this one could have that argument sure. rear its ugly head when we get sure. to the cards. Great call, and we're going to speed break down the rest, but last one because it's about the matchup and it's addressed to you, Clint. Uh, Makato Kayagoku says, Clint, do you know that last year Marina was offered Whaley at UFC 275 before Joanna was, and she turned it down? Your thoughts on that, Source Drake Riggs? I find that extremely interesting. I would wonder why she would turn that fight down. Now, frankly, I think she gets diced by the champion, especially right. because of her work with Fight Ready and the grappling she's done. I think she would just get absolutely slaughtered on the ground. So I don't know if Marina said, uh, you know, no, thank you. I need to go work on my wrestling. Or maybe she just had, it was a bad time for her. You know, maybe she was out of camp and couldn't make weight or something like that. It would really depend on the reason she turned down as to whether or not I thought that was too big of a deal. Because I know just because they offer you a title fight doesn't mean you're in a position to necessarily take the title fight. Um, But I do think that matchup is a problem for her, frankly. I, I thought she would look fantastic against Rose. I don't think the same of Zang. (laughs) <laughs> All right, next matchup, Parker Porter, baby, minus 160. I don't know what it opened at, but we got Braxton Smith, plus 130. Any thoughts on this one, Clint? Yeah, this one's weird. Um, I actually don't think Braxton is a very good MMA fighter. <laughs> um, you can watch his entire two-minute career on YouTube if you guys want to. Five fights, all five round one knockouts, and uh, he's terrible. He's just awful. But he has soul-crushing power. And he doesn't set up his shots well. He doesn't need to because he just wings heavies. And if one of them lands, his opponents very clearly do not like it. So Parker's going to have to close the distance. He's going to have to get this in the grappling realm in a hurry. Otherwise, he's a dead man walking. And I was this close to betting on Parker Porter when I broke this fight down on my show on Monday, Dan. And kind of like, man, I got a weird feeling. And I just kind of pumped the brakes on it. And the longer the week goes on, I feel like this is a setup spot where the UFC has found their newest freak show fighter. There's a reason he's getting brought in here. There's a reason he's getting Parker Porter. And I know that Parker Porter has a bad habit of dying in the first round. So I'm kind of leaning towards the dog here. But I'm also having a hard time putting my hard-earned money on this guy who I know is god-awful at mixed martial arts and just has big meaty fists. I think I'm going to pick the dog to win. I'm not sure if I'm sacking up to bet it or not because this one's a really low-level heavyweight fight, but I think it'll last about two minutes. <laughs> I feel the exact same way as you. Uh, this guy sounds and seems like the second coming of Justin Willis, if that reference makes sense. Uh, we'll see he how he like plays. seems like Will Knight 2.0 to me. That too, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, uh, we'll see where the cardio is uh, as far as if it gets out of the first round because like you said, that is the path to victory, not just for him, but against Parker Porter, who uh, you know I, I'm a fan of, but uh, but yeah, this is uh, this is uh, this is a uh, you know real T-shirt in the pool division. I'll probably end up picking Braxton, but don't expect me to bet him. Uh, my heart will be with Porter. I'm actually a fan of him and his team. Um, but yeah, this this does this got some weird feels on it. Next fight, we've got uh, Ikram Alex Skaroff. I've got to brush up on him. He is also a southpaw minus 200. Where Phil Hawes, who well, he's been knocked out by a southpaw in the UFC for a hint of the softball report that I'll be dropping on Friday by the time most of you are watching this. The comeback on Mr. Haas, plus 165. Any opinions on this one, Clint? Yeah, I've been a notorious Phil Haas hater, um, but I'm not sold on Ikram Eliashkarov. 
I think this guy is not your classic Russian coming into the UFC. His record seems pretty padded. His skill set is questionable. He's not a positional wrestler. He dives on Kimuras and stuff like that. I worry about this guy. I mean, if he tightens it up, I think he probably can outlast Phil Haas in a 15-minute decision. But I also think there's a chance Phil Haas can bank him because the guy is super strong, super explosive, super athletic, and a strong wrestler himself. So it's a spot where I'm not counting Haas out, but historically, I just don't think Hawes is all that great, and he's getting older, and he's coming off getting his knee torn apart. So mm-hmm. I- I'm picking Eli Oshkarov. Yeah, that's a big thing there, too. That's right. He is coming off of injury. Um, that, as well as other flags, even when Hawes is winning, he's kind of the guy that's winning all the way to the point till he's not. To where even if I do end up on this side, I don't know how great I would feel. Again, uh, another thing where if you see me putting all my picks out like I tend to do, I know Clint does the same. This is one of those dog picks where it's like, shout out to to my guy, mutual friend of ours, Dan Levy. Well, if you're going to pick a dog, at least a decent numbered one, um, why not play it? And and I think he was applying that to more two-to-one dogs, to be fair, and not to mischaracterize what Dan was saying. But I get that. There is a point to that. That being said... Uh, back to the Braxton Smith one as well. These are just for different reasons, completely different reasons. Um, not reliable dogs. I feel good putting a shot on. Next fight, uh, Rafael Estevan, minus 200. My gosh, Yalgashimagulov, ZZ Bottom, uh, plus 160. Uh, I didn't take this fight, but let me just start off by saying I gave Estevan a good grade. I'm going to redig into his Nova Unyao style. Pretty sure he's a strong grappler, a strong top game. And, uh, you know, uh, we haven't seen. Z- Jalgas necessarily against that. It's a hard game to actually apply at flyweight more than people realize. So uh, off base, I'm leaning toward the favorite, but regardless of where I end, is my heart ever with ZZ Bottom, man? Not just because I bet him on some bad beats. It's because I try to keep that same energy whether I I bet the fighters or not. And this guy, you know, I always whine about not getting bodywork and counters graded well enough, right? And I always am on those fighters, and I'm almost like a glutton for punishment, Clint, because I keep betting on these fighters. Like, it's it's just as much my fault here than anything I want to get mad at. I'm full, full admitting that. That being said, oh my god, I almost want to bet ZZ Bottom out of principle because I'm rooting for him so hard. But I think this is a tough matchup for him. What do you think, Clint? Yeah, I actually, this is another one, just like the Parker spot, where on my Monday show, I was ready to go, man. I was convinced I was going to load up on ZZ Tops here. No, I saw a haircut. No, <laughs> no I, he's, dude, he's coming in full Patty the Batty after getting robbed last time. I love it. But, that was great. So he's got the higher caliber experience. He's fought the better caliber of opposition. And that really is something that weighs heavily for me. This is a big step up for Estevam. The kid seems like he's good. He seems like he's got good killer instinct. He's got good grappling. But damn, man, like you look back at his record, his last win on the Contender Series was a solid 17-3. and three. That's a great win. You can't take that away from him. Dude looked like he gassed out pretty quick, though. I got I haven't looked into Elias all that much, but I would need to look at his other fights and see if maybe he was fighting trash cans. You look back a bit, though, and it's 3-3. Three and three. It's 9-5. and five. It, It's 6-1. and one, That it's like, ugh! Like, I don't know if I'm, like, buying into the level of competition here for this kid. Zalgas has been known to do pretty well in the anti-grappling realm. I think he can actually fight his way back in, and he can counter-wrestle, and he can actually take people down himself. He he fought guys like Tyson Nam, Tabir Ulembekov. Like now, that was a robbery. I can't go back to that one. Tagir absolutely right, sure, yes. won that yeah. fight. But the fact is, Zalgas is always in splits, 
because he fights really closely with yes. his opponents. So from a betting angle, for me, it's dog or pass because this fight is going to be close. Yep. You know how yep. many times Zalgas has been finished? Twice. One time was by Manel Kopp, who's yes. the hardest hitter in the weight class. He got starched in round one. Before that, it wasn't until 2015. So, like, this guy is tough to get out of there, and if you don't get him out of there, he's going to be in the fight. So, frankly, I kind of think if you're going to bet this one, maybe an over is the look, over two and a half. Or if you got access to DraftKings, bet the split decision prop, man. It's plus 450, and Zalgas has one, two, three... <laughs> Four, and then if you count what should have been the Tigir Ulambekov fight, in my opinion, five fights that should have gone on to split over the course of his career, two of those back-to-back -back in the UFC, I think this fight's going to be competitive. I think it's going to have a lot of grappling. The refs don't know, or the judges don't know what to do with all that grappling unless somebody gets finished. So I'm not betting it. It's dog or pass. It's split decision or pass. I think this is going to be a close competitive fight, and we'll figure out real quick if this kid, uh, Estevam, is actually UFC caliber or not. Great analysis, great calls. Don't disagree with that, Clint. Krombopoulos Rosen says, how can Zhalgas fix the close decisionator problem? He's like Masvidal pre-2019. Great reference there. <laughs> yeah, he's just got to get more aggressive. He has been working with Pantoja, an aggressive fighter, aggressive submission fighter. So you've got to imagine he's getting that look from a title challenger who is, what, 2-0 over the current champ in that division. I know it doesn't matter who you train with. But, you know, for what it's worth, at least we know Zhalgas is getting those looks over at uh, American Top Team. Even if he is ZZ Bottom in the uh, practices compared to these guys, he's getting the looks. Man, but, uh, I'd say if there was one thing he could do to, to get out of that, it would be more EPO. Yeah, there we go. More of that. Uh, <laughs> uh, someone says, Clint, do you always auto-fade Amir Khani speaking of someone who could use EPO since he gasses out in spite of his cool grappling? Is that somebody you target to fade uh, Clint as well? I do, Mr. Punchable Face himself, Makwan Mirakani. Um, man, I actually had what DraftKings does like same game parlays for MMA now, and you can just abuse these things sometimes, man. Because uh -huh. I took uh, a parlay of Makwan Mirakani to get one takedown in round one, and then Jack Shore money line, and it was like three to one. Jack Shore was a minus two seventy five favorite that night, and it's like, well, Makwan always wins round one and yeah. always gets a takedown so he's gonna take down jack shore and gas out and then die so yes like yeah i look to fade guys that do that as often as i can every once in a while someone like makwan will bite you right in the ass because he is a slick grappler because yeah. he does have a good submission skill set so every once in a while you'll get caught with your hand in the cookie jar uh, sure but definitely a guy like that especially if my guy has good cardio i do try to fade them Absolutely, absolutely. All right, last two fights. Let's get through this. Claudio Ribeiro, minus 175. Joseph Holmes, plus 145. Uh, didn't look into this fight yet. Probably go with Yoel Romero light over uh, shouts to hashtag tall guy defense. But, uh, Clint, where do you stand on this one? Well, I stand at this is probably our last fight that we're breaking down because, unfortunately, the uh, curtain jerker for the show has been canceled. I don't that's know. That's right. Oh, yeah. That's right. It, hurts, it has so. been good. Thank you for that. Thank you. Cl closing thoughts here, unfortunately. But, man, right. uh, what an awful fight. <laughs> Claudio Romero, yeah. he's nothing to write home about, but he's got crazy amounts of power. He's very aggressive. I don't know what he looks like grappling because all he does is strike and knock people out. Joseph Holmes 
maybe the more technical striker, super rangy, super long, can't hurt a butterfly on the feet, but he's got good jujitsu. Like, I like his back takes. I like his body triangle. I, there was the moment where he reversed Jung Young Park and took his back that I was like, oh shit, he's going to pull this off. You know, I, I actually think Joseph Holmes is a decent grappler, but he's physically weak. He seems like he can just get out muscled by guys in the cage. And that, I think, doesn't bode well for being a primary grappler. Mm. So Claudio Ribeiro, I think, is going to piece him up on the feet. You know, those skinny John Jones chicken legs are going to be there to get kicked, and I think that's going to have a lot to do with this fight while it's standing. And if Joseph Holmes doesn't, like, dive on this guy and backpack him early, I think he's going to get knocked out, man. Yeah, and then also, you know, uh, adjustment periods for potential training camp changes with a lot of the former Kraus fighters. I believe Holmes might have been one of those guys, too. So just even more kind of flaggage, at least for that side. If not for the fight itself, I will probably end up picking Ribeiro, but I don't know how much investment I will even get to that fight. All right. uh, Any questions last minute in the chat before we get out of there? Send them in now before we recap and get out of here. We uh, are doing it right at the two-hour mark, pretty much. Thank you for your time, Clint. This is uh, this has definitely been a fun show here. But, but before I give you the floor, uh, which I will, sir, to sign out, um, let me uh, just shout out everybody uh, in the chat and just uh, thank you guys to remind you of those reviews, especially the counter, the negative ones that I'm sure are coming in just to be joiks, even though that still helps my algorithm and engagement for you people being joiks out there. Thank you as well. But yes, yeah, spread the positivity, pay it forward, not asking for your money uh neither is clint we're just trying to make this community uh as best as possible we're both very grateful to be doing this but i'm not going to speak for clint so before i recap pick some plays and get out of here clint the stage is yours sir i appreciate you not speaking for me you're absolutely right i don't want your money but i will take your social security number so please if you would put that in no i'm kidding Everybody, thank you for uh, for tuning into the show tonight. Dan, thank you for the invite. Buddy, you know I love talking fights with you, so I really appreciate the invitation. This has been fun. This is an amazing card. I really hope we crush this one. And I think we're gonna. I think we're gonna crush this one, and I have good vibes for you moving forward for the rest of the year, my guy. Um, everybody in here, everybody's been pretty damn cool, man. And that's, that's worth its weight in gold. When you've got a good yeah. solid chat section, good supportive people around you, that's where it's at. You can block out all the noise. You can block yeah. out all the haters. People out there just trying to spout nonsense, trying to tear people down, man. Don't let them get to you. People in the chat, keep doing you. Support the people who you like. Be kind. Pay it forward. It's good shit, man. We'll keep this world spinning, and this sport is awesome. There's going to be another fight coming every single weekend for the next, what, eight weeks in a row? So I'm pumped up, man. We got lots of good stuff coming down our way. There's nothing to frown about. We're we're doing just fine over here. Awesome, awesome. Sorry I wasn't able to get to everybody's chat, but I will say Jimmy Kudo says, Thank you, Clint. We are normally ranked Bunch's crew, but hopefully we weren't that bad. Yeah, I told Clint I got a small crew, but they're pretty cool and chill, and you guys held up to that. I didn't have to fish for the compliment, and Clint... Clint gave it out. And uh, lastly, but not leastly, while we're sucking each other's Ds, I just got to say, man, Clint, we've spoken plenty of times before. You're you're sitting here being a guest, being a friend, being a positive support uh, uh, for me, even though I didn't ask for it. Uh, I did ask for you to come on the show. Um, and, you know, we've spoken before, man, whenever kind of we both have been going through things. And just to kind of give some disclosure to the show, people see us or other people on shows. Like, how is this person really at in real life? Full disclosure, I've never met Clint in real life. 
Uh, but he is a real he is a real motherfucker, man. This dude, not that you or anybody needs to be in my DMs, but he is uh, he does keep that kind of positive energy. Always checks in. Uh, we even talk like food culture. The man knows his dim sum in Chinese too, man. So do not judge a book by his cover. Clint, I can assure you, is a real one. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes, absolutely. I I appreciate that, man. That's the kind of thing that, you know, not not all content creators are are made equal. You know what I mean? Some some people are are internet friends, and some people are friend friends. And you know, I'm I'm in a couple of different people's DMs, and we've got a support system. And you're definitely one of those guys. So you you've always got my love and support, man. And you know where to find me if you need anything. I really appreciate doing the show with you, and uh, you know what? The the favor will be returned. You're one of the favorites on my show as well. I'm sure we'll get one in a little later on this year, and if nothing else, we'll both be writing up for the Action Network and uh, prop squatting it up and catching each other online. Absolutely. Sharing the positive comments through the chat right now as we get out of here. Recapping off the top, uh, Clint, if you want to shout any of your plays or anything at, at the end, you, you can too, but uh, sure. I, this is for me. This is for what I'm taking, so don't, don't, don't mislabel it for Clint. I am taking, I'm just going to do a rapid fire read off, taking Cejudo over Sterling, taking Muhammad, remember the name, over Duhino, uh Burns, taking Andraj over Xiao Nan. Um, leaning toward Jordan, but you're going to have to check my quick picks and prognostications for that one, baby, uh, as well as really for the Jan uh, fight uh, finalized as well. Um, it's a little out of order reading off best fight odds, so forgive me. Uh, taking, uh, probably leaning toward Drew Dober over Matt Steamroller. Uh, taking Clark over uh, Incheku. I'll read off the play I have for that with the others right after this. Taking Williams over Bedoya. Aboya. Bedoya taking, well, probably, I don't know who I'm taking between Rodriguez over Janji Droba. Regardless, I'll be rooting for Janji Droba and anybody like my man Clint betting on her. Maybe I'll be a part of the party. We will see. Taking, probably taking reluctantly Braxton Smith over Parker Porter. My heart will be with Porter. Uh, probably leaning toward Alex Scaroff. Even if I do pick Hawes, I won't be playing him. So it's a stay away fight. Regardless, check me at Dan Tom MMA on fight day for the final pick for that one and more, as well as Estevan versus Jalgashuma Gulov. You know, my heart's going to be with ZZ Bottom. But will my pick be there? Check me at Dan Tom MMA. Probably will pick Ribeiro over Holmes. And that wraps it up. The only plays I'm on, Bilal Muhammad at one unit. Still got to add it into my action app. Of course, I took. I think I took a small like .17 unit sprinkle on, on the Jordan round three somewhere. I couldn't find the line earlier. But uh, regardless, if I end up picking Kron, then maybe that'll make me want to play it. Then I'll kind of have both angles. Or I'll just do a little, little sprinkle of a, you know, Point seventeen U that I won't miss if it does go away, and that'll be my play for that day on that one. Of course, I got uh, Kennedy and Chekwu. Sorry, taking in Chekwu over Clark. Did I say Clark over Kennedy? Taking in Chekwu. Kenny Nunchucks over Clark. Got him in rounds two and three. A quarter unit apiece, plus 500 round two, plus 700 round three. Ended up pulling the trigger on the inside the distance. Um, uh, you know, so, but there is a plus 1,000 submission in case you don't want to get heavily invested, but you still want to have fun. That's all the plays for me, Clint. Hit them up before we get out of there. Uh, anything you want uh, to say, Clint? All right. So for me, as far as my bets go, I got Verna Janjaroba. I've got Kron Gracie, Bilal Muhammad, Henry Cejudo. I've got a Juice Boys parlay where you just got to lay it sometimes. Mavsar Evloev, Chaos Williams, Smith and Porter under two and a half. By the way, we forgot to talk about Mavsar. He's going to be a 10 to one favorite, rightfully so short notice opponent. The guy's a champion caliber opponent or a champion caliber fighter. He's going to wipe the floor with him. We don't need to break that one down anyway. Sure. Yeah. So there we go. (laughs) That that's the juicy parlay there at the end for you guys. 
as far as picks go, man, with the picks, my whole thing, Dan, is I'm a gambler. So if I make a pick and I don't actually put my money where my mouth is, that's the confidence level right there. And I might change it by tomorrow. So bear with me if you're writing the picks. That's not the best choice. Um, I'm going to pick Claudio Ribeiro. I'm going to pick Rafael Estevam. I'm going to pick Aliash Cobb. I'm going to pick Braxton Smith. Um, probably soul-crushing round one knockout for our poor Parker Porter. Um, I'm going to pick Kennedy. I'm going to pick Matt Frivola. <laughs> oh, that, so that one is so hard. Steve I'm going to pick Andrade. And then I've got bets on all the other fights, and I already read those off to you guys. So good luck, everybody. You can find me over on Pub Sports Radio, and tomorrow I'll be putting the tinfoil cap on for the undefeated post-weigh-in show and the Sharp Action Report where I get my guy Andrew from Superbook to talk about where the money is for that one. So if you want to come watch those, come hang out. I've got a pretty fucking cool chat too. It's an, uh, another group of cool people that are all positive and I've trained them and drilled at home that uh, we're nice to people. So come on over. You guys will fit right in. Yeah, by the way, I try to keep my filter clean like I said before. So I usually miss Clint's Monday show, but one of my favorite pieces of your content, if I may speak freely before right before we get out of here, is the Undefeated Way-In Show. I think it's a unique piece of content. You do a fantastic Fantastic job. I'm always sure that I like the video, if not as well as comment for that positive engagement. I usually miss it live, unfortunately, but you do have a cool crew. You're not just talking shit. Go subscribe to Clint's stuff at Die Hard MMA. You see him there at Dan Tom MMA. You see me here. Again, we're just trying to have fun. We're not trying to be the best. We're not trying to be your favorite. You don't have to like us or our picks, but we are doing this for free. We're being accountable, and we love you regardless. So, good luck with I your picks. I demand that you like me. Yep. That, there we go. Well, Clint demands it. I, 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 I've, I've, I've come to grips with uh, my curmudgeon self, but regardless about any of that nonsense, good luck with your picks and plays. And, well, always protect... Yeah.